Thank you for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do, the podcast where I, your host, Dinner Dennis Maller, speak with artists and entertainers about their day jobs. Uh, and they, my guest today is actually a Uber driver, comedian, uh, he sold copy machines, fax machines, and uh, all stuff like that. Good friend of mine, Don Zeller, is on the podcast today. And it was really interesting for me to bring him in because I wanted to talk to somebody who was an Uber driver. And maybe one day I'll have somebody who's a Lyft driver on and we can compare the two. Uh, but I think most people, not Don doesn't, but most people who do one do both. Anyway. So, yeah, Don is on the podcast. We talked about Uber, uh, which is a very hot topic for me. Because I am not a fan of Uber uh, or Lyft or any or cabs in general, and I see them exactly as cabs. But I see them as cabs with less restrictions, and they're just more dangerous. Uh, you know, here in Boston, and there's been what like six sexual assaults because of Uber drivers in the past year, maybe or two years, something like that. It's absolutely ridiculous. There's no background checks. Uh, done on it. It's very, they're, they're dangerous. Like when I was a kid, I remember people saying, oh, you're going to become a cab driver. You're going to get robbed. Now it's like you become an Uber driver and you're like, oh, so, uh, who are you going to rape? Like that's what that industry is to me. And that's why I'm not a fan of it. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's a provides a service. Yeah, I get it. But, uh, this also comes at an important time right now here in Boston because, uh, the, the state is putting a lot of regula- regulations and restrictions on, um, Uber and, and other, uh, Uber and Lyft, and if there's another company that does it, I think there is. Uh, oh, I just saw this. Uh, there's a... I used to make a joke about this, and now somebody's actually doing it. There's a, going to be an Uber for boats, and I was like, oh, an Uber for boat system. What is that called? Canuber? Uh, uh, anyway, I don't like puns, but I said it anyway. Uh, right here in the state, they're putting a lot of restrictions on Uber and stuff like that. Uh, like right now, I was looking at an article from Paulson.com that uh, a federal judge was asking, what's the difference between Uber and a taxi company? A federal judge isn't so sure of that, uh, if there is one at all. U.S. District Court Judge Nathaniel Gordon on Thursday ordered the city of Boston to revise its taxi regulations within six months and to give the court a good reason why the city shouldn't be forced to regulate taxis and other ride-hailing services in the same way. So pretty much... That's been always been my argument is why what makes you different other than the way you operate. You're doing the same thing, and people who take it all the time argue it's like no, it's nothing like a cab company. Like no, it's exactly like a cab. So just call yourself a cab company. I don't know. Also, I was never a big fan of Uber's shady business practices too. Like I, I've heard plenty of stories about how they they would pay their drivers to order Lyft and then cancel it so the Lyft drivers can't get as much work or whatever. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the whole industry, but it was interesting having him on uh, to talk about his experiences. And we talked a lot about tipping um, because that is an important subject towards the Uber and system like that. And by the way, the article I just read from Boston.com, I'll have a link to that in the description uh, of this podcast at deaderdennis.com slash podcast. So let's get right into it. Uh, this is my podcast, me talking, sitting down, talking with Uber driver, real estate agent, Don Zello. Enjoy. I thought about this for an idea for a podcast. Uh, I'd like to call it eight beers deep. And okay. the idea of it is that you have to have eight, you have to drink, drink eight, eight beers. beers to start the podcast. Okay. And I'm like, the only thing is, I'm like, I don't think I consistently feel like drinking eight, eight beers, beers and being scheduled to be somewhere. <laughs> like, it's one thing to just be drinking eight beers and just do whatever it was, it was going to happen. But I'm like, to schedule something, I'm like, 
I don't think I have the wherewithal to, to go do that. Yeah. Schedule it. Yeah. Scheduling yourself to be somewhere and to drink and then... And have the other person in like... I'm like, it's just too much work. No. Sounds like a lot of work. But... So, uh, are you were you coming here from work? Were I you just u- driving? I was Ubering, yeah. That's why I'm late because I... Uh, I'm, I made a rare Uber screw up, and I uh, I basically tacked 15 minutes onto this guy's ride by accident. He was very understanding, though. I took a wrong turn in Southie, and there was an insane amount of traffic, Ugh. and I screwed this guy by about 15 minutes. But I shut the meter off. I'm like, you don't, you shouldn't have to pay to get screwed over. But oh, he was super that's good. nice, so I was happy. Yeah, I've definitely sat in a cab once. I was running late to work uh, back in Baltimore, running to a restaurant that I was working at. Um, right by the uh, O's uh, Oriole Park. So, an O's game going on, so I should have known better about traffic. Waiting for buses, they weren't coming. And I realized because of traffic, so I started walking, hopped in the cab, and then the cab gets about three blocks down, and then just gridlock. And I sat there, and we didn't move. End up paying 30, he ran the meter up to 30 bucks. I'm like, I can't, I can't, no, no, no. I can't afford to sit in this cab right now. And I ran, and I only work, I lived a mile, mile and a quarter away from the stadium, and I knew I should have just walked it, but I was being lazy. <laughs> I, I love this. So it's good that you did that, yeah, that you turned I, it I off. Mean, yeah. It, like, I, it, plus, it was my screw-up, you know yeah. what I mean? I, like, it's, it, I, it was like, it's not like this, yeah. So anyway, uh, all right, I got to tell a quick cab story. I love this story. My buddy Nelly, when we were in, I think it was when we were in college. Oh, Nelly with the Band-Aid under the eye? That Nelly, yeah. <laughs> uh he was in a cab and he was telling me, he goes, dude, he's like, I look at the meter. It's late at night. I'm coming back from the bar. He's like, I have like $16 and I'm just looking at this meter go up and up and up. And he goes, so he's like, I gave him an address that was like two blocks from my house. And he goes, cause I knew it was going to be close to whether I'd have enough money or not. And he's like, I just, he goes, uh, we pull up to the neighborhood and he's like, I look at the meter and it's like $20. And he goes, he pulls up. And he goes, as soon as he stopped the car, he's like, I threw $16 in the front seat and I bolted out of the car. And he's like, I ran through some guy's yard. And he goes, I'm like hiding in some bushes. And he goes, three minutes later, I see the cab. And he's like, a guy just gets out of the cab and yells, dude, if you had 16 bucks, I understand, man. <laughs> like, and Nelly's hiding in the bushes. I'm like, yes. Uh, he's like... It's like the cab driver was understanding, and here yeah. he is, like, hiding in bushes from a cab driver. For $4, too. Yeah. Over $4. Like, I can't imagine anybody's... Like, if you're going to get that upset over $4 for a cab ride home... Well, there will be people that will. There yeah. will be people that will. But, like, I just think it's funny. Like, the guy just got a... Dude, if all you had was 16 bucks, that's cool. <laughs> I just think it's Yeah, because awesome. I don't even know how the cab industry works. Like, I know... It's not an independent contractor thing, but it kind of is. Like, I don't, I don't understand how that world works, like, financially. Um, how those people, like, are they employed by a company, but they own their own car, but you have I, to get I mean, a license? I think the cab company owns the car. And I would, ass, I, would ass, I would assume they're independent. But, like, when you're a real estate agent, you can be a 1099 self-employed person that just happens to work for another person, or you can be an employee and you do the exact same job. So I'm sure it's probably set up the same way. However you want to do it, you can do it. Yeah. That's my guess. So, but with Uber, you're not even an employee of Uber, right? You're, you're 10, still... You're a 1099. So 1090. You're, you're a self-employed person and you just contract with them. Okay. So, so but what is the process of becoming an Uber, cause, uh, Uber driver? Because I've looked into it just briefly, just because I'll be honest... I have a small hatred for Uber, Lyft, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And this is where my hatred come from. They refuse to call themselves a cab company. <laughs> well, I mean, 
I don't know. It is the they provide the same type of service, but it, I mean, let's agree they provide a much better service than a cab. Um, no argument. It's just like if this technology existed years ago, cabs wouldn't have been a thing. It just would have been Ubers and Lyfts, you know. Um, to become one, all you have to do is I, like I don't think there. I don't remember there being any criminal background check, but I could be wrong on that. It's that kind of be. my second. Uh, it depends on what state, and I've looked at. It, that's my second problem with them is there's no. Like, good background checks. They definitely don't do fingerprints. Some states yeah. do do background checks, criminal checks. Um, but without a fingerprint, it doesn't matter. Oh. Uh, for the most part. Uh, but, yeah, they do provide a good service and they do it well. I think it, this is what drives me crazy is they were, <laughs> we're an application maker. We're not a cab company. No, you're a cab company. Oh, they're absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's a bullshit argument there. They yeah. are absolutely a transportation company. <laughs> they're, they're not just an app company. Yeah, that's bullshit. Um but yeah, you just have to apply, take a picture of your car, and send your registration insurance, and I think that's it. You're ready to go. And the, but they're specific about the type of car, aren't they? Yeah, I don't know what their qualification is. It's not crazy. It's not like you have to have a car from the past two years or something. It's like I don't know. Your car can be like ten years old, and you can still drive. But uh, it's great if you're looking to make two or three hundred dollars a week. If you're looking to make your living, I figured out if I was going to just have my baseline life like uh paid for by uber i have to drive like 45 hours a week driving 45 hours a week in boston will drive you out of your fucking mind <laughs> it's just it's crazy so i'm like I, I don't like it when i'm in a situation where i have to lean on it it's nice when it's just extra money you know I mean? yeah that's well, not so bad now what is the scheduling like with that can you just just start and begin whatever and you do want whatever you want that's why i like it and originally i got into it just because i was like so many times and i'll do a set and it's like eight o'clock and you finish your set and it's eight fifteen, and well i got another one to do at 10 and it's like i have an hour and 45 minutes and i'm like i'm not driving home because by the time i drive home it's basically time to drive back to wherever the second set is so i was like if i can go out and make 50 bucks in you know two hours or close thereabouts i'm like i'd much rather do that so that's why i started doing it and then it, i found that in the winter, when my real estate stuff slows down, I'm like, oh, well, I have another source of income. So I kind of lean on it a little bit in the winter. Is it is it that, that like, you've only been doing it less than a year, right? You Uber? Yeah. No, I've been doing it over a year, like maybe approaching a year and a half. Okay, so about a year and a half. Is there any difference between a year and a half and now with the amount of work you get or the amount of cars out there you see? Because I feel like so many more people are picking it up. It's saturating the market of drivers. Um. I don't think so. I think that there's more people using it too. Yeah. Um, so there are more drivers, but there's also more like riders or, or users. Um, right now, it's wicked slow. And I remember this last year. Uh, there's half the population of Boston is college students. So it's like when winter break comes, half the people in Boston almost go to another area. And then as a result, you still have the same amount of drivers, but there's you know half Less as many customers. users. So like... There's a lot less demand right now, and you know I, I realized that last year. So it is slower right now, but I think that's more like because the college kids are away. And you think it'll pick up once the classes start again in yeah. what, like another February? Week, another, another, they come back at the end of January, so it's like another week, something like that. So most of the business is college students then? No, I wouldn't say most of it, but it's a significant portion of it. I mean, it's a significant portion, but it's like when half of your customers leave, you know. Yeah. So I wouldn't say they're most, but it's it's a, a large piece. portion. Yeah. Well, I, that's 
weird to me that it would be college students because if I I know when I was in college, I wasn't taking cabs well, or anything like that. The world is a different place too. Like I like I don't know how to say it. Like if Uber existed in the eighties, I bet you, or I mean it would, it would almost be the equivalent. Let me put you this way: I don't think a lot of kids would take cabs to class, but they'll take Ubers. You know what I mean? There's just a little bit of a difference there. So uh, college students, instead of taking the whatever BU bus or Harvard bus or whatever, or even walking the campus, they'll take right an Uber. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them will walk, and a lot of them will take the train yeah. and take the bus or whatever. But a lot of them do Uber. Yeah. Uh, I I just I'm blown away because I'm like, even if it's a cheap ride. Well, you just paid six dollars to go to class, and you're gonna pay six dollars to go back. I'm like, that's twelve dollars, and you do that like every day. Like, I mean, I think back to when I was in college, and I'm like, if I was to have twelve dollars of transportation cost every day, I don't know how I'd swing it. You know what I mean? Like, no, absolutely. I'm like, it's not like you're working, or if you are working, you're not working that many hours. I'm like, I don't know, but so that's another whole thing. Is I'm like, I can't stand how bad the the banks have college students, you know, over the barrel, so to speak. Kids get out of school now and they get like $200,000 worth of debt. It makes me sick. Do me one favor. If you can just move a little bit closer on All that, right. it would be fine. Basically just talking that long, that round, large black thing. I feel like I'm LL Cool J. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was just watching Straight Outta Compton and I think they had, and I had to, I wanted to rewind it it's to a great see if they movie. caught it. Very good movie. Uh, they really lean heavy on making, uh, on, on making Dre and Cube look like the heroes of it, which is not wrong. But they, like, uh, I even read an interview with his ex-fiancee, um, Vleda, or whatever Dre, her name Dre's is. Dre's or? Dre's ex-fiancee, okay. the one that he allegedly beat. I call um, him Dre because we're so informal and yeah. casual. Well, you know, why sound white and say Andre? But right. uh, they left her out of it. They put Nicole Young in, who was his other wife. So uh, I'm actually impressed. There's two things they, they added to it that I was expecting not to see. One of them was... That they they mentioned his career as a um, doing R and B records, DJing R and B and producing oh, yeah, R and B yeah, songs. Oh yeah, 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 at the beginning. Uh, because like the same year that um, they released Boys in the Hood, he released a, a huge, super like sexy and cheesy um, R and B dance song. Really, I didn't yeah. know that. Same exact year, like eighty five, he released the same uh, record, like in red, crushed velvet tuxedo and whatnot. Uh, and then they also. It, they had Lil Ren and MC Yeller uh, in it as well. Like I, the way you look at the promos, it feels like they completely left those two guys out. But at least they're they're heavily in, uh, heavily featured in the movie. So yeah, which it's like everyone always remembers the big three of that group. But I'm like, there were two other dudes in that group. You yeah, know what I mean, it's yeah. kind of like being uh, not Bono. It's kind of like being. Uh, Ringo. Adam Clayton. Ringo. Oh, Ringo. <laughs> yeah. Like you're in one of the most successful groups of all time, but you don't get the respect you deserve. <laughs> well, I think the fun, and I I love saying this whenever somebody talks about Ringo and the Beatles. I think my favorite quote about Ringo is ever um, when they were interviewing, I guess, all the band, or at least it was John Lennon who said this. They asked him, was like, so uh, what's it like being in a band with Ringo, who's the greatest drummer in the world? And he goes, greatest drummer in the world. He's not the greatest, greatest drummer, drummer in the, the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, I heard that line, yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, I love that line so much. I wish I ever had a chance in my entire life to be able to use something like that. Yeah, the first time I learned about the uh, Ringo disrespect was a Saturday Night Live skit in the 80s. They were the, the idea of the skit was this promoter was coming out and he was holding up a check. And he's like, I have a check for the Beatles. If you guys want to reunite for performance, he's like, 
for three thousand dollars <laughs> and he's like it's yours to split up however you want. He's like, if you want to give Ringo less, that's your business. <laughs> and I was like, I remember I was like seven or eight. And I was like, why are they not liking this guy? I, and then like I go on to kind of learn. I'm like, yeah, he just never got the respect he deserved, you know, for being in the greatest band like that's ever existed. Yeah. And that, that Lauren Michael thing, I think Paul McCartney actually saw that. I saw an interview. I remember listening to an interview where Paul McCartney had talked about seeing that episode SNL. And I think he was actually with John Lennon or he called John Lennon about it. It was like, uh, like we are right down the street. Do you really want to go do this? And like, eh, maybe. Like they were talking about like going down to accept the check. Yeah. Like, oh, that would have been hilarious. Oh, that would have been great. Oh, Just, the premise of them even hearing about it and thinking right. about it is amazing. Yeah. Like that's, that's unbelievable. Imagine doing like how big that would have been if they showed up and actually took the check. Like, or even just showed up and turned it down. You know what I mean? Just anything. That's just, it blows my, it blows our mind. But I think, and I remember, I'm trying to remember what interview it was. It might've been Nerdist, could have been something else. But when I were talking to Paul McCartney about it, Paul was like, uh, like he has no concept of how big his, his band is. Like he has no concept of how the rest of the world sees them. Like they know, yeah, we're really super popular, but I don't think they understood how like, big that would have been. Right. Like that would have like, I won't say made his career, especially because he's Lauren Michaels. But I mean, it would have like, it would have been like the highlight of so many people's career. Oh, like, yeah. like the biggest thing, you know what I mean? And like, to them, it's like, eh, I don't know. I mean, even when they played on that rooftop, surprise rooftop performance. I vaguely. Was still humongous. Well, they got, basically the their last performance together as a group, I think, was. On a rooftop? Oh, I didn't know that. Just in the streets. Yeah, no, uh, you've definitely seen um You've seen the footage of it, of them on the rooftop, and the Simpsons spoofed it. Um, I've, uh, they basically weren't together for a little while, and then they just got... I could be getting wrong on the story of that, but... Uh, they get it, and they just did a surprise rooftop performance in, like, New York City or somewhere. Maybe at San Francisco. I don't remember where. I should probably have known the... I should probably should have thought of the details a little bit more before I started before saying Before you got this. into it. But on the subject of music, do you play... Is there a certain, like, Uber playlist you have for customers, or do you switch it up? Because uh, I've had cab drivers guess what I what kind of music they think I like getting in. Like, they'll put on country. I'm like, bro, wrong dude. I get it. White. <laughs> hate country. Um, yeah, I like to do this. And I always think this is funny. Uh, I started doing this thing. I don't really do it that much anymore, but I, I try to size up the customer. And like, like for instance, I always remember this one ride where I'm like this group of young girls. When I say young, they were like, uh, they were in college, like probably about 20 or so. And I was like, I'm going to throw on, and they had been drinking. I was like, I'm going to throw on some music that I think is going to make them go fucking crazy. <laughs> and I threw on like Flo Rida and like, I don't know, Enrique Iglesias. And like, they just to watch them jam out, it was just absolutely hilarious. Like, they all five of them or all four of them, whatever was in the car, they're all singing every single word with every fiber they're being. And I'm like, this is hilarious. And I was telling, uh, I mentioned it once in conversation to Owen Bonus. Uh, I don't know if you know who he is. He's a comedian started in Boston. He's in New York now. And I was like, yeah, I try to uh, I try to size up the customer, match him to some music that I played on the you know on the uh, iPod. And he's like, that's the most racist thing I've ever heard. John. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, all right, you kind of nailed it. But I'm like, uh, nonetheless, I still enjoy doing it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, it's not so insulting when uh, us white people get in the car and you play white people music, but it's probably more insulting when, you, when you're picking up a black customer and like, oh, here. I bet you he'll enjoy some Nas. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, 
I always think this is funny. I'm like, I love sports radio and I listen to sports radio in the car a lot. And you like, there'll be a bunch of foreigners that I'll be driving and I can tell that they have no clue, you know, what any of this conversation about Belichick or, you know, should they drop into a 3-4 and, you know, or a 4-3 or what are they going to do? And I can just tell they have no idea. And it's just noise to them. And then I think about it, I'm like, the times that I've taken a cab and there'll be some dude that's driving and there'll be like Indian music on that's, I can't even begin to wrap my head around enjoying this type of music and it's bothersome to me. And then I'm like, oh, now I'm that guy. (laughs) Now I'm that guy listening to my shit that they can't stand. And I'm like, I love it. But they can't stand it and they have to sit here and listen to it. And I'm like, oh, all right. Well, you know, sometimes I'm sometimes I'm the asshole. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but it's also a matter of there's a language barrier difference yeah. sometimes. Like what, they may be re- playing really good, you know, sitar songs, but you don't understand what they're saying. So it doesn't mean anything to you and the same I, way yeah, and sports I is. I just don't enjoy the sound of, the, of that type of music. But I'm like, it's, it's the exact same premise, though. They... They don't enjoy what I'm listening to. And I'm still like, I'm not doing it to be a jerk, but I'm like, I'm the one that's going to be in the car for hours. You're going to be in the car for 10 minutes. And I'm like, mm, tough shit. You're going to listen to it. <laughs> and the same way around. I was like, ah, you know what? I'm in the car. I'll suffer through it. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's exactly my tone. You know, I mean, I'm in the guy's car. So like, you know, we play by his rules, you know. Now, don't they have um, uh, a feature to where you could play your own playlist when you get in the car, when you order a car? Yeah, I tell them that I don't, uh, have an aux cable and auxiliary cable okay because you need to have that in order to play it and i'm like i i'm just i feel like i'm rolling the dice on what music we're going to be listening to mm-hmm. and i'm like i if it's something that i don't like well fuck that i'm not i, I don't want to deal with it. and i have done it before and i'm like it's amazing you know if it if it's a song that you truly just don't like i'm like and i have to sit there and listen to it i'm like i it puts me in a shitty mood you know yeah. what i mean i'm like so i just uh, i'm just like no don't have an auxiliary cable which is bullshit <laughs> well i feel like uh, well when uber uh what uber x is what you drive right yeah and then there's uber black which is the town car service correct from what i understand it literally just has to be a black car which is the dumbest thing ever really like it's like Oh, well, we're being driven in a black Camry instead of a white one. Who gives a shit? <laughs> you know what well, I mean? Because uh, the first system that came to D.C., and this is why I heard, when I heard about it, was the, was, the, uh, was the town car service. And a couple of my um, friends I worked with in radio were using them to get to and from their gigs. And they were talking about how um, what the driver is, they give the driver a, a device at that time. It was still when, uh, so it was like uh, 2008, 2009 maybe. That was an Uber? Was in... My, I'm, wow. I'm trying to get, it might be like 10. But it was when you were living there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been here three years, so. So that puts was, us to 2012 and, no, 2013. 2013. So it was definitely, eh, it might have been like 20, 2010, 2011 right. now I think about it. Um, I'm terrible with dates. I didn't even know about Uber until 2013. I had the, the coolest Uber. I don't know if I'll ever get an Uber ride that was as cool as this one. Uh, long story, which is actually pretty awesome, but it's just, I think it's way too long for me to get into. But I ended up with a free ticket to game six of the Stanley Cup. And uh, I go over to my buddy's house and he's like, uh, he's like, uh, I'm like, so how are we getting in? You want to order a cab? And he's like, I got it taken care of. And he ordered an Uber and I'd never seen it before. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And all of a sudden the and a town car shows up and uh, a buddy of ours, who was a state cop 
was going to be going into the game also, but he was driving his cruiser into the game. And he's like, he had to be there in like 15 minutes. And we were about 15 minutes away with no traffic. And as the town car is getting up, the state trooper is getting his car. He's like, I got to get there now. And he he goes, hey, he's like, I'm going in. And he's like, just let me escort you in. And he threw the lights on to drive in. (laughs) It was bumper to bumper traffic. And we sat in a town car and had a police escort into the Stanley Cup finals. I was like, how fucking cool is this? I'm driving in this fancy car with a rider that just came to a driver that just came to pick me up and then we're skipping all the traffic. I'm like, I felt like I was the president. It was so cool. Oh my god. I can't imagine ever uh no, I can't imagine ever having anything similar to that where you have a police escort to go to a sports to game. To go to a sports game. In was, a private car. It was fucking great. I loved it. It felt so cool. Oh, my God. Well, the thing with it was with them, What I thought you had to have a chauffeur's license because the way my friends were telling me it was sometimes they would get pick up, picked up in limos mm-hmm. because a limo driver, especially during oh, prom season, would, right. would be out doing something. They'd drop the kids off at prom and they'd have three hours before they had to pick them back up and they would do that. And when I heard about it then, I was like, oh, that's great. And then when I started hearing it, I was like, oh no, dude, anybody can drive. I was like, oh, that sounds so sketchy. It'd be cool if you just went to go get your cheap Uber ride and a limo shows up because he had nothing to do. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Uh, But uh, yeah, that's what I thought uh, the difference was is you had to have a chauffeur's license to do the town car. But I I got a good Uber story that I actually tell on stage um, about the license. So uh, I got pulled over by a Bunker Hill Community College cop, yeah. and uh, I wasn't sure I was getting pulled over. And like I pull over kind of slow, and the dude came up, and he had like a ton of attitude right off the bat. Like I was being nice to this guy. Who were in this story? Who were you picking up? I was just picking up some girl that I think went to Bunker Hill Community College, okay. and uh, like I. At, he said I ran this stop sign. I sat waiting for the girl at the stop sign for like three minutes. She got into the car and I just proceeded forward. I had been stopped for three minutes, but like, you know, did I pull up and stop? No, I had just been stopped and then I decided to go. And he said I ran the stop sign. So he pulls me over and uh, he's like, why is the broad in the back? And I was like, oh, I'm driving Uber. And he goes, oh, he's like, you're driving Uber? He's like, I don't see a livery plate on your car. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm driving Uber. And I'm like, you know, you don't need one. And he goes... I'm going to tell you right now, to me, you are a livery. Okay. To me, you are a livery. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sir, you got to understand to me, you're a pretend cop. <laughs> I didn't say the pretend cop thing, but that's what I want. But the rest of it was in, he started busting my balls about not having a livery license. And hmm. like, I was like, you don't need one. And he's like, yes, you do. And I'm like, why would I need, if I needed one, wouldn't they just make me get one in order to drive Uber? And he's like, listen, I don't care what they make you do or not make you do. He's like, to me, you're a livery and you don't have a livery plate on your car. And I was like, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. That's all I can say. I, you know, and he's like, he gave me a warning. Uh, and then I, I reached out to Uber about a it. warning. He gave me a piece of paper that says I was warned. Uh, but anyways, he, um, I, I sent an email to Uber and I was like, look, I'm like, I had this cop busting my balls and he told me I need a livery plate and he seemed very adamant about it. And this was kind of their response. I'm paraphrasing it, but he's like, yeah, that's a gray area. He might be right. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, no, no, yeah, he's got a point. And I, I was like, oh, like, and then basically their response was, well, if you get a ticket for it, just let us know. We'll pay for it. 
Oh, at least they'll do that. And I was like, oh, well, at least you'll do that. But I'm like, it's like, it shocked me that like, oh no, like they were right. So, oh, that's, uh, see again, that goes, that just fuels my, my, my opinion on the company so sketchy when they're like, ah, eh, you know, he might be right, but we're not concerned. Well, yeah, it. just keep breaking the law. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> but I do have to say this, like. Uh, I get why cab drivers are pissed about it. I'm like, those medallions that you have to have, they cost a lot of money. I mean, I don't know how much it is, but it's not like $10,000. It's like it costs like 200000 or more oh, yeah. to get one of those things. And then this new organization comes in and like, oh, yeah, no, we're just not going to do that. No, but you have to. Yeah, no, we're not going to do it. Like, that's just, you know, I get why they're angry. Like, they have a legitimate gripe. That being said, I'm like, at this, the way technology is set up, I don't think you need those things anymore. So, yeah. oh no, the cab industry is shady and dirty oh, as well as it is. Um, cab- so I can't fault them, but they, I yeah, you're right. They have a full right of being mad about the whole thing, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, so they totally do. But you know, whatever. It's the Uber provides a better service, so it is what it is. They provide the same service. They do. They do provide a better service. And I'll tell you why. Because this is this isn't scientific. It's not. But my rough estimate is. Even if the price surges in Uber, it has to surge to two and a half times the normal price before it equals the price of a cab ride. So right off the bat, it's 60% cheaper. That's a, a better service. The other thing is you hit a button and the thing knows where you are. You don't have to call a cab company. Like, I don't know your experience with calling cab companies, but it's very rare that I'm ever treated pleasant when I call a cab company. And a lot of times you're calling for like 10 minutes before you get through to actually talk to a human. This, you hit a button, it's done. There's no money exchange, it's done. If you need to substantiate a receipt, it's done. You know, it's yeah. like, I, I just think it's so great in that respect. You know what I mean? You can hit a button and it splits the fare. That's cool. You know what I mean? I'll admit... It's a more convenient service. Well, that's better. Yeah. it's. Uh, I guess you're right. Knowing when the person's going to come, gigantic cool yeah. thing about it. You know what I mean? Rather than, all right, this cab will show up in five minutes or in 15. I don't know. Like yeah. You're like, oh, no, here's this person. They're four minutes. I better get ready. You know, like it's, I think it's a, just a better service. Now, do you worry, though, that because I think almost every time um, I've either gotten one or my friends have gotten one. I've never, I've ordered one once mm-hmm. with a promo code because I was stuck outside. I was stuck uh, in Faneuil Hall after the trains had, had ended. I missed the last train. I was like, you know, I don't have it. I really don't have enough money to afford a cab from Faneuil Hall to Brighton. That's so, a, yeah, that's a big. I was like, oh, dude, I'll do it one time with a promo code. It'll cost me nothing. So I did it. But I've been in the cars with my other friends that do it, and I've walked my friends out. When they when they call one, I still walk them out, and I make. Sure, I was like, "What's the driver's name?" Hey, what's your name? Like, I always ask them. I don't like, "Hey, are you Don?" No, I make sure they say their name because right. it's so sketch to me. And I every time somebody well, something happens, my eyes immediately go to that story. I I get that, but here's the thing: they give you the license plate. If you just go and look at the license plate, you oh. can't mistake it. Like, I mean, it's like there could be two green, you know. Uh, Chevy Impalas, you know what I mean, at the same location, but it's not going to be two that have the same license plate. The only word I understood of what you said was green. So <laughs> I have no idea what cars look like. Most cars to me are shiny. That's how I distinguish okay. them. Uh, but my, the, So they call when they arrive. They'll call somebody like, hey, I'm your Uber driver. I'm here. Sometimes. Do you worry about? Yeah, sometimes you do. I'll often, whatever it depends. I guess like. If you don't I, I only like do it person, when it's a confusing situation to pick somebody up. Like yeah. if, if there's like a ton of people in an area, I'm like, hey, I'm parked in front of this thing. Come look for me or whatever. 
do you worry about giving your phone number out to people when no, you have to call a, them like it's that? A, it's a third party phone number. Like, so it's a hidden, like they get a phone, they see a phone number, but it's not my real number. Okay. And it's vice versa for the customer too. And you, it, and it changes every single cost. The phone number stays the same, but it's only good for that ride. So if you want to get in touch with somebody from three rides ago, you're not going to do it off of the Uber phone number. Okay. You know what I so mean? So when you call, you call through the app, right? Yeah. You don't actually dial the phone number yourself. You yeah, just dial yeah you can. You, you you can dial through the app. You just hit a button and it goes through, but yeah. it'll also be in your call log. So if you have your call log open, you can just hit, I have it saved in my phone as Uber customer. Okay. So I just, boom, and it goes into Uber customer. When you call Uber customer, is it always the same phone number when you're calling that yeah. customer? So every customer you've ever picked up always has the same, same. number and it dials back to the last dials, person. Right. Oh, okay. That's a much better way to say it than the way I was trying to say it. Yes. <laughs> you sum that up a lot faster. What if somebody leaves something in the cab? Like if a woman leaves a purse, how do they get in touch with you then? Um, they can contact Uber and then Uber will know that I drove them and then uh, they okay. can reach out. I, um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think. Some girl left her cell phone and... <sighs> I she think... couldn't call you? Yeah, she could. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and Did you try calling her. Oh wait, Uber contacted me and said some girl left her phone, and you know, here, here's her. She left her contact info. Can you get in touch with her? And I did, and she was nice. She gave me a forty dollar tip for returning it to her. Oh wow, which is uh, nice of her. I mean, it still took up a lot of my time to drive to her, you know. But I mean, what did it take a half hour? And I got forty dollars for doing it. Great. Oh yeah. But at the same time, I think she understood. Like you know, here's a six hundred dollar phone. You know, forty dollars isn't the end of the world. So. She give you a forty dollar tip cash. in cash, okay? Cash, because that's how I don't. The the other thing about it that I don't get is, isn't there? Aren't you supposed to tip through the app? They don't have a tip uh, feature anymore, from what I understand. Oh, before, anymore? Okay. Before I drove Uber, I heard that there was a tip feature, and it's not there anymore. I think that's bullshit. I'm like, you're providing someone a service. If they want to tip you, they should be allowed to do it. Yeah. Not to mention. Uh, I like to think of myself as a pretty nice guy. That being said, I'm like, you know what? I'd probably treat you even nicer if there was a possibility of a tip. Um, I do or provide even better service. And maybe that sounds a little bit like a jerk, like I'm not going to bring it 100%. But you know what? Sometimes you get tired. After 10, 15 rides, you're like, it's easy to fall into... I'll just drive this person rather than I'll drive this person to be the most charming person ever and, you know, help them out with as much information as I could. Well, you know what? If there was a tip on the line, I'd probably provide even better service. Yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of bullshit that they don't allow for that. Every now and then someone will throw you a little bit of cash and it's nice. And you know what? I appreciate the cash in terms of the actual dollars coming, but I appreciate it from the standpoint of, oh, here's somebody that's grateful for this ride that I've just given them. And I like, I appreciate it more because of that. Um, this was the coolest one I ever had. I uh, I gave this guy a ride, and I was in a pissy mood. And I gave him a ride. I didn't treat him like a jerk or anything in the least, but I just wasn't in a great mood. And it was a very short ride. I drove him to the bank, and as he's getting out, he goes, Hey, man, and he hands me uh, $20. And I was like, Dude, are you serious? This is like a $4 ride. And he's like, Don't worry about it, man. He's like, Thank you for taking me. I really appreciate it. And I didn't treat the guy like a jerk in the least, but I was like, it just changed my attitude instantaneously. I'm like, here's a guy giving me $20 tip on like a $4 ride or whatever it was. And I was like, thank you so much. I truly appreciate that. I'm like, he's like, hey, Merry Christmas, man. And he goes, uh, that's, that's it. The Christmas. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. So he, so I was like, ah, oh. and you know, he goes, uh, he's like, I'm going to be getting another Uber in a couple minutes. If you're still around, I go, what do you mean a couple minutes? Cause I'm just going into the bank. And I was like, if you just go into the bank, I'm like, I'll wait for you. So he went into the bank. He came back out. And uh, I mentioned to him on the ride back, 
which was still just the $4 ride back. I said, hey, this one's on me. I'm not even turning on the meter. Thank you so much for that tip. That was so nice of you. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. And as he was getting out, he gave me $30. And I was like, I got $50 of tips for about $7 worth of a a ride. I was like, and it's just, I'm like, you know what? I'm talking about on a podcast. I'll probably remember that for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Part of what why it was because the Christmas time people are very generous when it comes to to service people who gets tips around. Christmas. Yeah, I agree. I had customers out of town come to. Uh, I was in Baltimore working at a restaurant downtown. They were staying at a different. I was working at a, a restaurant in a hotel. They were staying at a different hotel. They came over, had lunch. I was as pleasant as I normally am to everybody, which is I will admit when I'm waiting tables and bartending, sickeningly over the suite. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, you get bitchy after a while. Oh, Oh, I get bitchy, but not to the customers. All right. Oh, in the back of the room, I'm uh, in the kitchen. In the back of the house, I am a monster to deal with. Front of the house, they'll never know that. Unless they can hear me yelling afterwards in the kitchen, which has happened. But I am, I'm surprised customers don't leave having diabetes, how sweet I am to them. Uh, But, so it was my normal level of of sweetness. It wasn't necessarily over the top, because sometimes I'll be over the top, but even my normal levels kind of too much and they had lunch nothing particular it was a slow day they left a hundred dollar tip on their meal which was 30 or 40 bucks maybe i think they gave me like 120 on a 30 or 40 dollar tip and i'm like and you're like what you could have made an even hundred (laughs) (laughs) i was like guys that was really not no like i would expect that from regular customers two people out of town like it's christmas time Take it. Have it. Have a good time. You were super nice. Have a great time. We're on vacation. Enjoy yourself. I'd love to be able to have money to do those things. Exactly. You know what I mean? I I always remember this. Like, uh, I was at Dunkin' Donuts once a couple years ago, last year, a couple years ago, whatever. And I went to go pay for my order in the store. And the person that was charging me for it, she goes, oh, no, it's all set. I go, what do you mean it's all set? And she pointed as this car was driving away. She goes, that guy at the drive-thru just paid for everybody's stuff in Dunkin' Donuts. And I was like, everybody's? Like, I've been on the receiving end of the person in front of me paid for my order the drive-thru or yeah. something like that. But I was like, he paid for everybody's? I'm like, how cool is that? I'm like, I still remember it, you know? Yeah, it's when you do something nice for somebody, it's amazing how far that goes. Like, my father used to tell me, and I did it for a little while, and I just stopped doing it because it was getting too much because I took the tunnel every day. Oh, to pay for the person. Pay for the person. Yeah. Just, yeah, it was because when I was started, when I started driving, it was $1 for the tunnel, uh, Fort McHenry Tunnel. So you just give them two bucks, no big deal. And then they doubled it to $2. So $2 becomes $4. $4, you start to be like, yeah, $4 is almost five is how you think of it. And it's like, it's costing me $5 to go to work. Like it's, I get that. Twice a day, right. to and from, and you know, college student and I was going to college. So I stopped doing it. Um, occasionally I'll still do it if I'm if I'm in a car and driving I'll just do it if I but if, if I don't have ones if all I have is a five I'm like here just give it pay for the person behind me um, or what I used to do this is my favorite thing is when cell phones just started we'd be uh, me and my friends would be going somewhere we'd have a nice little caravan one or two other cars and um, I'll call them up real quick on the phone and be like hey uh, just because uh, we're, we're we're late I'm gonna pay your your fare the, uh, at the toll just go right through and then I won't do it. <laughs> 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 and then, then they get their ticket in the mail. It's like, D- dude, what happened? Like, oh yeah, I totally didn't do that. Did but you really do that? You're an asshole. That's that's like a <laughs> to my friends. Oh god. <laughs> ah, you know whatever it is, and uh, you know, I I I only one of my friends has come back to say it's like I got this thing in the mail. What happens? Like, 
here's the ten dollars, I'll pay it, but just to have them so mad. Oh yeah. Or yeah. we'll do it in the car. Like most of the time the laugh is at the car's like, Oh, I totally didn't pay for their thing. That's great. <laughs> Uh, it's a terrible thing, a prank to do to your friends, but I enjoy it. But uh, so since we're talking about tips, is this your first job that you ever had where you're earning tips? Where I'm earning tips. Um, i trying to think. Yeah, probably. I mean, I've waited tables, but briefly. Like, I don't even really consider it like uh, uh, I worked at, you know, I don't know if you know Kelly's Roast Beef. Uh, uh, no, of them, yeah. Okay. I it's worked, a whole chain of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I worked at... Uh, the one in Revere for about 10 years. And Isn't that the original one? It is. And it's like I'd work the morning shifts. So like I'd come in and open the place and people would leave tips on coffee money, which I loved working the shift because if you worked it, you basically got like an extra $30. Really? Like, which, I mean, back then it was like, you know, in the 90s to get an extra 30 bucks. Like when I was in college, I'm like, you mean if I get up at like four hours earlier and come to work, I'll get an extra 30 bucks for the same amount of time? I was like, yeah, put me down. Like it was yeah. a no brainer. So that's the only time I ever worked for tips, and that was coffee money tips. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's here's the extra change. Right, it wasn't. That's, it's a little bit different than then. Then you're right. I agree. Then like, oh, what else can I get for your dinner, sir? Like, yeah, it's totally different. Yeah, and those have you noticed a difference? Like, have you? Well, I guess you're not getting tips with Uber, so um, it has that affected you? Like, other than the guy giving you a tip for Christmas, does that change your opinion about tipping or anything? Uh, no, because I always think that you should tip people that are providing you a service and okay. I genuinely, generally do it. Um, uh, ironically last night I took an Uber, which I hardly ever do, but last night I was in town <clears throat> and I knew I was going to be drinking. So I got a ride in and then Ubered back. And, uh, when I was getting out of the car, I didn't tip him, and I felt bad about it, but all I had was a 20, I guess in hindsight, maybe I could have asked him if he had change. But I was yeah. like, all I had was a 20 and I was like, oh, tough shit. Like, I mean, I hated doing it and maybe I'm a hypocrite, but I was like, all I had was a 20 and to, until I was just talking about it, it didn't even occur to me to ask if he had change on him. I would have thrown him like three, four dollars anyways, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, all right, my rules on tipping, that are Dennis's rules on tipping is this. If you're at a restaurant. Let me get my pen. <laughs> if you're at a restaurant uh, or a bar, you should always, for regular service, 20%. 20%. Or at least 15, between 15 to 20. I will 20 tip just 15. I will tip 15, or I should say I'll tip under 20, but usually no less than 15 if I feel I've gotten really shitty service. Yeah. And shitty service, and it wasn't extenuating circumstances. They just didn't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, what? so what my is, and this is what I usually do at a restaurant, bars are a little bit different, but around the same is if I'm at a restaurant, it's 20% automatically, and then I throw in a dollar per person. Oh. And the reason it is is because that $1 means a lot more to them than it means to you. And granted, I worked in the service industry, so my opinion is completely flawed and, and, and mm -hmm. skewed on everything. You know, if you think about it. Well, if everybody away, did it, I mean, yeah, geez, at the end of the day, that person, you know, depend. I mean, they probably walk out an extra 50 bucks a night or so. On a slow and, night, yeah. yeah. And you multiply that uh, five nights a week, let's say, four, let's say four, that's 200 bucks a week. 50 weeks in a, for that they work roughly, that's an extra 10 grand yeah. of cash. That makes a huge difference in a person's life. Yeah, and I think, and I tell people, and uh, my friends always ask me, what should we tip on this? I'm like, don't ask me because my you're not going to like what I say. But I, I tell people, like, tip whatever you're going to tip in general, but throw in a, an extra dollar. Because, again, it means that. And plus, most of the time, that dollar changes that percentage. Uh, so even if you tip 
even if you tip 15% on, on a check, mm-hmm. throw in a dollar that, uh, let's say it's a $100 check. If you give them $15, throw in another dollar, so that's 16%. So if we reverse that, if we go, it's a $50 bill. Um, you tip 15%, which would be seven fifty. Throw in a dollar, eight fifty. You now actually tip 18%. Yeah. You yeah. know, when you're doing the mathematics of everything. It just bumps that. And, and working in the industry, when you're always looking at your sales to how much you made in tips, you're always kind of doing that math of what your percentage to sales is. And just those couple extra dollars changes everything so much. And you you're you know, you go from having an eighteen percent day to a twenty percent day, and your entire mood changes. It does. You know um, for me at least. What the hell is, oh, I like to write a note sometimes if I got great service. Oh, that's nice. I'm like food was, you know, good, the service was outstanding or whatever. And just I'm like because I think if somebody wrote a note to me, I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Um, I take g- the time, yeah. I gave a speech this past year. And when I say a speech, it wasn't stand-up. It was like, please come and give a speech to our organization, which I find to be <laughs> hilarious that this ended up in my lap, the most immature dickhead around. Uh, <laughs> but they wanted somebody to come in and talk about uh, Boston and New York sports. and Which you know a lot about. Uh, right. So I came in and I gave the speech, and which I paid very... <laughs> I'll say very well, but I'm using the finger quotes very well to me and very well in comparison to what you get for a stand-up gig. Um, Like, but from what I understand, it's the amount of money that I received was almost nothing in the realm of what public speakers get. Um, They're ridiculously overpaid. Like I basically got about a grand to come in and just, it was just shy of a grand to come in and talk. And one of the uh, things that I was going to do I haven't even made a grand in comedy in six years okay. <laughs> combined. So no, that's great. Yeah. So think like so I've you know what as I'm talking about this, I've promised myself like last year I was going to get more into public speaking, and I'm like <laughs> you know what I just said I'm like Jesus Christ I got paid like a grand to give that speech and it was nerve wracking because it was the first time I ever gave a speech and she actually said she's like we don't mind if there's some funniness in it but your goal isn't to go up there and be humor driven it's like to you know entertain them outside the realm like about sports and i was like okay um but one of the things i was going to do in it was my buddy pat gave me this idea he goes uh i'm not going to get into it but he's like go buy a small trophy like the tiniest trophy you can find and i found it like a package of small trophies in like a dollar store and they're about maybe an inch and a half tall and it looks like a championship cup and at the end of the speech i raised this little tiny championship cup and victory to the crowd and it called back to something that i'd spoken about earlier so it was pretty funny way to end the speech well i had 10 of these and me and my buddy pat went out for breakfast afterwards and i i paid for breakfast and i got the tip and i left the person a trophy (laughs) and i was like the service was championship level and like the chick really got a kick out of it and i have like a whole bunch of these things and i'm like i think that's what i'm just gonna start doing now i thought about it i was like why not just take these with me in the car whenever somebody provides you with like a nicer be like this was championship level today (laughs) and you give i remember that probably for the rest of my life if somebody tipped me a tiny trophy no that is kind of a big deal uh the the littlest things means so much they can and they seem so cheesy and dumb when you think about doing it like i'm pretty sure when your friend pitched you the thing you're like Ugh. Uh, i kind of like i kind of was but i was like i can see i would be funny too like i was like uh. and i and also considering what a great public speaker he is i'm like who am i to decide if this advice is good or bad i'm like he knows what he's doing i don't 
But geez, as I'm talking about this, yeah, I got to get more into these speeches. Like that was the, <laughs> that was, I, I'm like, and once you've given the speech a few times, then it becomes easy. You know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah. like, yeah. Oh, it's the same thing as a routine. You just right. memorize it. Uh, but you know what's strange about giving that speech was, uh, it was so weird to be on stage and it should be so much easier to just give a speech and be like, oh, there's no pressure on you to be funny. But at the same time, while I was up there, I was like, they haven't laughed in like two minutes. Oh, my God. And it's like, well, they're not supposed to laugh. I'm supposed to give a presentation on this topic. And she specifically said, we're not going totally for funny here. But yet in my head, I was like, it's been two minutes. Oh, my God. I haven't gotten a laugh. I'm bombing up here. And it's like, no, you're not. You're doing what you're supposed to do. And it was like, but to me, it was bombing. You know what I mean? But it was like, and when I got done. The woman who was in charge of uh, hiring us was like, oh, my God, that was outstanding. I loved it. Oh, that was great. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm thinking I'm bombing. But I'm like, no. I. It's just when you're so conditioned to get laughs every fucking 20 seconds or whatever, when you don't get a laugh for two minutes, you're like, jeez, oh, I'm not going to be invited back. You know? Yeah, it's that instant gratification, that instant. Right. Um, I'm doing well or I'm not doing well. Now I have to change it. You know what I mean? It's like. Instant feedback. Right, instant feedback. That's the way to say it. Uh, yeah, that com- comedians that we survive off of. Um, <laughs> but I've been trying to do this recently uh, for at least the past mm, almost a year now is try to get comfortable within the silence. So when I'm doing my set, if there's a, a lull or I want to take a pause to even think about the next thing or do whatever, I have to learn to be comfortable within that instead of just the, the continual rambling it's, which works but sometimes you have to just learn it's huge to be quiet. and it's like also I think that you gotta be okay with not getting laughs and I don't mean bombing I mean to me stand up comedy is about laughs but it's also about it can be about being interesting like there are certain times like a comedian will be on stage and I'll be listening to it and it's really funny and then it'll hit a lull of no laughs. But if it's interesting, if you're just like, oh my God, so then what happens? Tell me the next thing that's going to happen in this story. And it might not be a funny thing, but you're if you're on the edge of your seat, that's entertainment. And that, at the end of the day, that's what stand-up comedy is. So it's like every now and then I'll have to tell myself when I'm on stage, I'm like, it's okay to just be interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be laughs the whole time, but it's like, yeah, you get uncomfortable when you don't get laughs up there for like, oh my God, I haven't gotten a laugh in a minute. Like, And it's like, no, sometimes that's okay. But you got to know that. Yeah, I try to go on the mindset that, uh, especially with open mics, because I do a lot more open mics than you do. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you have shows that you're booked on and I don't. But And it's, it's such a double-edged sword because those shows are better to do because they're more fun and stuff like that. But it's like, dude, if you get out of the the repetition of doing open mics and then you go to do one... Like there'll be times when I won't go to like a just a regular open mic for like, you know, I don't know, two, three weeks out because I'll be just doing the shows that I have booked. And I'm like, I go and I do one of those hard open mics and I'm like, oh, my God, (laughs) this is fucking terrible. And it's like, no, you got to keep those muscles going so that it's not terrible. Yeah. So if I'm going to work on a new stuff, at least especially new stuff, I will make sure it's at least interesting before. Uh, if, if I know it's not going to be 100% funny, if it's still working, at least I know it's going to be interesting enough. And yeah. I can build the jokes and build the laughs off of that. Hopefully. I tried. If I can't be funny, I'll at least be interesting and I'm, I'm comfortable. I was comfortable with that. Right. Yeah. Com- comfortable finger quotes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just about to tell you about something. I'm like, oh, no, wait. You asked me to be on this podcast that day. That last uh, show that we did was um, 
in Somerville. Yeah. Jesus Christ, was that brutal. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. Like that drunk guy, like, and the, like, you know, if you're in comedy, you know that there's going to be drunk people, but a lot of times drunk people are fun. A lot of times drunk people are just neutral. They'll sit there and quietly yep. watch. This guy was a pain in the ass. Yeah. Just, well, that's wet brain for you. Yeah. Like that. And that's exactly what it was. And it's just like, and you know what? You look at that guy and it's like, that's sad. Like, and when I say that, I, I'm not taking a shot at him. It's like, I feel bad. Like that was one of those shows where I was like, oh yeah, you know, like, I uh, I haven't been doing that many open mics recently, and then to be thrown into that environment. When I got off stage, I was like, Jesus Christ, that was yeah. rough. And I knew going into the show that we were doing, that I, it was going to be a yeah. shit show. Because I've done, they were trying to do an open mic at that place on a Saturday afternoon before. They did it on a Wednesday night, like once or twice, and then they moved to a Saturday afternoon. And I did it two or three times, and I hosted it one time for the guy who was doing it. Um, just as a favor. Hosting a no show pace. like that is hard. There's no it's, show to host. It was literally me, four comedians, and the bartender. That's it. And the bartender might have been the owner that night. The girl who was there and that one guy who was the pain in the ass who had just kept talking and laughing at himself. At himself. himself. Of, That's the worst part. He's not paying attention. He'll hear one word and then he'll just repeat it. Right. Or he'll laugh off something else. And it's like. And how do you like this? I'm even asking to some extent as a comedian. I'm not just saying this hypothetically. How do you respond to that? Like you're not dealing with somebody that can be talked to logically. Yeah. Like you know, you'll be like, uh, "What's so funny back there?" And then he'll just like throw peanuts up in the air. And it's like, how the fuck do you respond to that? Like yeah. you, it's not like a logical conversation you can have. You know what I mean? It's, no, yeah, it's one thing when you have a heckler who's mad at something that you say, and you can have a dialogue with that, or it's the people who are helping. Oh god! Like when I was like, oh, I'm adding things to this. You could talk to them. You can build something off of them. But when you're literally, I tried to address them because I've seen him before. I've dealt with him before. And I was addressing him to try and get at him a little bit, not, but just to understand the situation and bring him into it. So it becomes, so at least now he's paying attention mm. instead of just what a word bouncing around inside his tiny little pea brain that he recognizes and then starts. And then just right. Yeah. Talks off of it. At least I can engage him in a conversation. I can say something. He could say something. I can, I can come back with a quip. Luckily, he was at my point. He was not paying any attention at all, even when I addressed him. So I was like, "This is worthless. Let me just go back to the set I was and doing." Then, and then it's like doing material in that situation also kind of sucks because it's like, oh god, you know, you're you're in front of like eight comedians, of which seven have seen this bit before. Yeah. And it's like you just like at least with me, I'm like, I I hate doing material that I know the comedians have seen and. Like it's only for the comedians, like in in those rooms where there's like two custom, you know, two regular civilians and seven people that have seen the joke. It's like, why am I even fucking saying this? Yeah, seven people can tell you your pun- my punchline before I say it. The worst part is the owner and the bartender are doing nothing to stop the situation. Oh, occasionally yeah. they're like, shh, like they'll shush him, but it doesn't help. Yeah. what's going on? Because he he's so drunk in general, and he's there every night getting drunk, and he's drunk all the time that his brain. Does not function properly, so there's nothing. Yeah, right. Say that's or that, do. Yeah, it's his brain. Does, like, yeah, there's no logical way to handle it because he can't. Not he doesn't want to. He can't. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, that's a good way to. Well, that's the most frustrating ones because there's nothing you can do to control the situation. You can't change the situation at all. You can't control it. You can't change it. You can't deal with it. And it's the control is so far out of your hands. With a regular heckler, you can shut him down. Or you can ask them to be or quiet you, or you can make them leave. You can't make him leave because he doesn't understand what's going on. 
at all. The ownership, he's there all the time. We're, we've also invaded his space. Yeah, because it's yeah, it's his ground, it's his stomping ground, right? And it's also slightly support. He's trying to be slightly supportive. He's not helping. He just doesn't know that he's being a dick in his that's, own head. That's a uh, so you can't get mad. It's like being mad when a dog. Knocks a thing over and he's like, I don't like. Right. Knocks a cup over. He's like, yeah, I don't get why this is a big deal. Big deal. Like you can't logically be mad at that, and that's what's more frustrating because you get mad because you can't get mad. Right. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Oh, that's my big problem. That's my my, my angry issues is when I get mad at things I can't control. I look at uh, intent, and I'm like, you know, sometimes people really think that they're helping out. Yeah. And I'll say this occasionally by no means all the time occasionally they do yeah. but like it's but more often than not it's a pain in the ass it's one of those yeah sometimes they do help out very rarely you're right but it's also help you don't want eric tynan has a great story and i shouldn't tell it because he tells it on stage but i but i'm gonna tell it because i fucking love it <laughs> he goes uh he's talking about hecklers and he goes worst heckle i ever got was right here you know and he, it happened at nick's comedy stop and he goes uh I was on stage and I told this joke and it didn't go over well. And it was just silence except for this guy in the front row who went, almost. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, it was the most supportive heckle and it was the worst one I had ever heard in my life. It's it's the, the verbal pat on the yeah. head. I could try kid. Yeah, almost. <laughs> oh, but that man. guy was trying to be helpful. Like, you can't be mad at him. You know? I don't even know if that's helpful. That's just more like... Oh, it turned honey. out he was incredibly helpful because Eric got an awesome joke out of it that he had to do no work for. You know what I mean? Like zero work went into that joke for him and he gets this amazing joke out of it. Yeah, that works. <laughs> well, maybe sometimes they are helpful and we just don't realize That'd it. be a funny name for a podcast, although no one would really get the reference. Just being think, helpful? No. Oh, I wasn't even thinking that. I was just thinking almost. <laughs> but no one would know that's the cadence that you said it in. Almost. <laughs> yeah, you can't... You can't have... There's no... Almost font. Right. So, all right. With Uber, um, now that you're that you're doing it, you do it in between things. Is there a time where you're like, hey, my best – I know I'm going to get my best customers between X hours and X hours, and that's when I prefer to work? Um, I don't prefer to work early in the morning, but people need to commute to work. So, you know, I'll get up at like 7 and I'll go do the morning commute. And, you know, you can make more money during that because there's more rides to be had and there's also – uh, surge pricing. So it's like, I'll do it then. But S- Surge pricing in the morning? Oh, yeah. Really? Because I figure, I know about surge pricing. I know surge pricing during bad weather. Um, Anytime there's assume... higher demand. So there's higher demand in the morning because people got to really, go to work. Yeah. Really higher demand in the morning. I didn't... Way higher. I know there's... It, 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 the morning commute and the, ho- the going home commute, there was, if it's not during winter break for the students, there's surge pricing. So, wow. And then the other thing is just more rides so you don't have to wait as long. So, you know, you might make at least, I don't know, you'll make 30 to 35, I'll, I'll say 30 bucks an hour uh, during surge pricing. So, yeah, I drive whenever it surges. So, like, the bars are getting out. That's when I, that surge pricing makes sense to me when, at, at late at night. Mm. That I get. I can't imagine there's, do a, a lot of people use Uber to go to work in the morning, huh? Oh, a ton. And actually, you know what? At first, I was like, oh, this is extravagant. And then I thought about it. It cost 1000 bucks a month to have a car in Boston between a car payment, gas, um, parking spot, insurance, uh, the random repair that you'll have to pay money for. Um, it cost $1,000 a month if you have, a, you know, like I said, a car payment and all that stuff. 1000 bucks a month, if you have a T-Pass, 
Okay, now that's you know that's like 60, 70. So you, now you have nine hundred. Seventy-five. Right, seventy-five. Okay, like that, let's yeah. call it seventy-five. Now you have nine hundred and twenty-five dollars worth of Ubers that you can get every month before you break even on just having a car. I'm like, you can get a lot of Ubers for that. And think about it, you don't have to drive, so you can be checked out and like you know doing something on your phone, or just the fact that you don't have to maintain a car or worry about oh am I going to get my parking spot or am I going to have to shovel it out or whatever. It's like no, for $1,000 a month goes, you could live like, I mean, I'm just making the situation up, but like, you know, you might be able to live in the seaport district, you know, which for some people might be super close to work. And it's like, oh, now I can walk to work. You know what I mean? Because I have an extra $1,000 to spend on rent, you know, but I mean, it's like, yeah, so a lot of people do Uber to work, you know? All right. Well, let me, let me, on that note of Saving money. I don't own a car anymore. I mm-hmm. used to own a car when I was in Baltimore, and I lost it uh, about seven years ago because whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have a car. I haven't been able to get back to a car. And one of my bosses said to me a while back, he moved from uh, Seattle or wherever he was, from most recently from Seattle to Baltimore. Program director, we're at a bar, watching an NFL game, talking. He's watching the game. I'm sitting there staring at a TV with colored pictures moving. And uh, he says to me, He's like, so you don't own a car anymore? Man, you must be saving so much money. He's like, no, I don't have a car because I can't afford one anymore. So that's the scenario. It's like, and I get what you're saying. I, I don't know if there's that many people who, who would own a car and then get rid of a car or stop using the car. Just to take Uber to save that much money. Is there that, are there are a lot. Like people do that. Like right? I have the conversation with a lot of people in the car. It's funny. There's probably ten conversations that I have over and over again with customers. It's just just the course of stuff that comes up, and I'm like, up. Oh, this is conversation A. You know, and I, I'm like, <laughs> I know other. Then you, you get to know people's lives a little bit. But one of them is the cost of having a car that comes up significantly, and they'll be like, yeah, you know, like once Uber came out, like I just got rid of my car. They're like, you know what? I'll like I spent six hundred bucks a month on uber but they're like and they break it down and they come to the figure of about a thousand dollars they're like so you know i save 400 bucks a month by you know not having a car uh, and they're like occasionally if i need one i'll get a zip car or i'll ask a friend for a ride you know if it's far away or something like that um but you not having a car yeah you're not doing it you're not getting one because you say you can't afford it which i believe me i get that but you know, you do spend that money in other places. Although, yeah, I say, I guess you don't Uber that much. You said. Oh, so. I don't Uber okay. at all. Where I, I honestly, my transportation cost is the tea and shoes. And shoes, okay. All right. Which I buy shoes like once a year, so <laughs> I'm not spending that right. much on shoes. So with real estate, because that's what you also do. Mm-hmm. Um, did you pick up Ubering to supplement in, in real estate? Or well, just... yeah, because it's so no one rents apartments uh, like in. November, December, January, they just don't rent them. So it's like, oh, geez, I got to have something. And, you know, uh, I'm not slaying my bills with my comedy money. Uh, so I needed to pick up something to supplement Comedy it. money? Yeah. Comedy Oh, what? comedy money, yeah. <laughs> Occasionally, sometimes stand-up comedians are paid for the shows they do. I, I've, I've heard about this. <laughs> Dude, I've been just secretly adding up the, the tip amounts you were talking about uh, through this conversation in my head. And I stopped adding them up at the point where I was like, those tip amounts are more money than I've made in comedy in the past two years. So. <laughs> well, it's it's super frustrating until you start no, making know. money with it. But you know, that's the thing. I remember when I started comedy, I was like, I was like, imagine being able to make your living off of this, and it just seemed like such a far off, distant thing. And who knows when it'll all click into place? But I'm like, no, now it's very attainable. Now I'm like, oh no, that's something that like 
I could do. Like, like that's not like some pie in the sky dream anymore. But it's like, yeah, it, when you, until you start, I don't know, breaking through those first couple barriers, it just almost seems like it's not a real thing. Oh yeah, I mean? no, I mean, I'm five, six years in. I know how real of a concept it is for certain people. And I know what, I don't know, but I assume if I, or if I do these things, maybe, and if I get this, I know how achievable it is, but it's not something that I'm actively working towards. Um, I enjoy just the process of entertaining. And to me at this point, still money is, a, is, would be any bonus to it. Anytime somebody I've done a bar show, cause I also don't do the clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually, all, I'm doing the, the laughs, bring her show next month for the first time okay um in hopes of them going All right, oh well, we'll, you're good enough Let's... we'll give you a paid weekend right or yeah a host or whatever this mm-hmm. and that and the only thing that, and even I... if it's just more guest spots like it even that yeah you just gotta use it as a stepping stone it, it, people are always like oh comedy's so hard and there is an aspect to that being true but so are other jobs oh yeah you know what i mean like you're telling me the guy working construction you know like getting up at four o'clock in the morning that's easy bullshit no. You know what I mean? That's fucking hard. But it's like, you know, if you're going to treat comedy as a career, you're going to be willing to take those stepping stone. You know, like I said, like, you know, if you do well on, you know, the bringer show at Laugh, all right, maybe it's a guest spot. And then the guest spot turns into a paid spot. And then, you know, that just starts to get you into more places, you know? Yeah. And it's also a matter of the more work you're doing, the more people want to hire you. Dude, I've said this. I've actually talked about you behind the scenes well behind the scenes I mean behind your back um, I'm like you know what I love that you do don't worry I, most of the comedy is <laughs> talking to me about me behind my back the uh, the the uh, website the uh, Twitter feed that you have the uh, Boston comedy shows our Boston comedy yeah I'm like I love that you do that because I'm like here's a guy that is doing something for the Boston comedy community with no guaranteed get anything back no expectation of getting anything yeah, and i see that be funnier trust me uh, and i'm like and, and and it's 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 not like you're uh you're getting 900 gigs because you do this you know what i mean but i'm like oh here's a guy that's doing something for the good of the boston community boston comedy community without any expectation of anything back and i'm like i whenever i see it on twitter i'm like oh that's fucking awesome i'm like or my name pops up in something i'm like oh well that was awesome of him like you know like it's just i don't know like i don't think you get any credit for that and i'm like uh, it's appreciated. thank you a couple of people are, 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 are do say something here and there especially rob crane and amy rose have been super nice and 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 thankful about doing it and it is it's a i would I've worked really hard to not make my name and face. Yeah, you don't put your name with it. it. I know that you do it, but it's like your name isn't with it. It's- oh, Steve Marconi a couple of weeks ago was when I brought I mentioned it in conversation. Marconi went, "Wait, that's you?" Right. I'm like, yeah, I do a really good job of pretending of, of not hiding. knowing as I just blew your cover. So <laughs> uh, no, there's an intro episode where I think right. I mentioned it in here. Um, <laughs> how many followers does that even have? I don't even know. Uh, the Twitter just uh, is a little bit over 1,000 now. A little okay. shy of 1,100. The Facebook page is just over 500. The subreddit is around 450. What is Reddit and, and subreddit? I don't understand this. Uh, Reddit is basically a community message board broken down into niche niche subjects. Okay, so there'll be a Reddit comedy. Yeah, there's a there's a whole comedy section. Uh, basically, it, all it is is a message board. You have, you post a message or you post a link, and then people comment on it. It's essentially an entire website devoted to just being a comment section. Okay, but it's all broken up into individual likes and interests. So all right. that's it. So there's a whole Boston subreddit 
The whole thing's called Reddit. Every individual category is called a subreddit. Uh, so Boston has their own category where people come and they post links and questions about Boston. Now, will it be Boston sports, then Boston comedy, or is it just Boston and this falls into the Boston? Each neighborhood in Boston has their own oh, really? subreddit under that. Uh, and then there's people who volunteer to be the moderators. So they basically, each subreddit has their own design, special designs. You can make a, a design with just... Um, um, internet coding you can make it how everything looks but and 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 different things tv shows and, mm-hmm. and and whatnot that will have a lot of the you know the pictures of the show and whatnot um so there's it's basically like designing a website almost um and it all depends like um so yeah boston has its own category its own subreddit and then they break it down by neighborhoods too that are moderated by other people and uh there's the boston calendar they started theirs, which is the Boston Social Club. Yeah, uh, our Reddit.com, the uh, our uh, Reddit.com slash r slash Boston Social Club, which is what the Boston Calendar.com is. Okay. Um. So that's just basically people in a group in Boston say, "Hey, we're going to the. I'm going to this thing. Who wants to go and meet me? It's a kind of a meetup group." Um, I was thinking cool. about doing one of those meetup groups. I don't know what I want to meet up for, but I'm like. Uh, my roommate did one of them <clears throat> for soccer. And he was com. like, he was like, dude, it's great. He's like, I found out about this place. He's like, everybody plays soccer at noon, uh, like right next to Harvard. He's like, there's like 40 people that play. And he's like, he, he found it from a meetup. And I was like, wow, really? Like, he's like, yeah. So I'm like, there's subcultures out there that I don't even know about. And I'm like, it'd be nice to have some friends outside the world of comedy. Because at this point in my life, like all of my traditional friends are like married and have kids, most of them. Yeah. So then it's like, I've, pretty much hang out with my comedy friends which i enjoy but it's like it's also nice to have friends outside of the world of comedy that you can hang out with when i moved here uh the uh, still to this day three years 95 percent of the people i know in this town are comedians, comedians or co-workers and people who work at comedy places. right yeah right yeah i was There's gonna a, say comedy associated like they're a booker or they're like a, a waitress bartender, or, yeah yeah uh, so I'm still, I still need to do things and I've used meetup in Baltimore before I even moved, uh, before I moved here, I used meetup to do group things and it works and it's groups of people who want to get together and have fun and make other people. Uh, I was thinking about, it might be a good way to promote comedy shows. Like if you go for, to meet, we have up, one. to meet up for basketball and it's like, Oh, so this is the group for basketball. Oh, I have a comedy show. Oh, really? Like, no, like, no, that's, that's part of promoting, man. Yeah. And I tell that like even when I was when I was managing bands back uh, in the early two thousands when I was in my early twenties, I would tell I was like guys just don't you don't have to pitch your shows to people you meet them you talk to them you mention you're a musician and they will ask you oh where do you play out and then you just right. have now naturally able to tell them but you can't tell these you can't tell these people if I you don't will be the at house. Nick's comedy stuff yeah like or whatever yeah you have uh, to get out of the house like just go to a bar. I hate it when I'm being directly solicited by people. And when I say that, I mean, like, you ever get the the message from a Facebook friend and it'll be a Facebook friend that you're not that close with and it's like, hey, please go and like my page or whatever. And it's like, and that's that's all it is. And it's like, I don't even know you like in the real world. And you just said like, oh, all right, let me go like your page. Like, I'm like, it's just, I don't know. I just, I don't like that. It's like when you have a relationship with somebody of some sort and it's like, hey man, what's going on? If you'd like my page, that'd be great. Fine, I'll do it. You know what I mean? But uh, I don't know. I'd... Yeah, or like, at least if, if they post something and you have a quick comment section and then you message like, oh, hey, by the way, since I'm talking to you and you're, it's on my mind, I have this thing. 
Right. Could you go like it? It would help me out. But when it's like it go, you, you like the same emails going out to eight hundred people. I'm Copy like, and paste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the worst. But so do your uh, do your coworkers? Do you work for a real estate agency or yeah. are you on your own? Okay. Um, is that so? You just work for them. It's not like a contract. It's not independent contractor. It's independent contractor. Okay. I just work at an office. Okay. So if you're an independent contractor, is it? How is that office scenario set up? Is it just like, hey, you're working in conjunction with us. We're just helping you find people? Yeah. Okay. So basically, more often than not, the agreement is that the broker that you work for, because you have to work for a broker. You can't be a sales agent and just, hey, I'm a sales agent and like I can go get listings. You have to work for a broker. So the broker takes half your commission. What? Uh, well, I you're partially right in saying what but they do provide you with a lot of value and when i say that one legally you have to work for a broker so you have to work for someone that's one two you know they pay for an office they keep lights on they have provide you with printers i mean they do provide you with stuff that you need um okay they but you can't do any of that on your own uh i mean you could put that I mean, I mean, you could get a printer, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you, oh. But like having a place, like for instance, my office is in a very good place in terms of foot traffic for college students. And it's like, it's so visible that so many people just walk into the office. Like that wouldn't happen if I was renting apartments, you know, out of my home. Uh, you, you know what I mean? So like they do provide you with value and that they, you know, and they, they also have a relationship with so many landlords that here's some listings that you can go rent out that the value of their relationship with these landlords is something that you couldn't do instantly. I mean, you'd have to build it over time. So there is value in it, but that being said, it is 50% of your money. That's <laughs> yeah. all right. So they are, do they are providing, they they're do worth it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if I really had to put a number on it, I mean, I think that, I don't know. I think one third would be plenty. <laughs> one third of yeah. instead of half, but one third sounds but, like a much more reasonable number too. But that being said, you know, uh, you know, half seems to be the industry standard. And when I say that, it's not like everyone gets together and says, well, it's going to be half, but the, the, the percentages are usually close to that. But can you do real estate without a broker? Not legal. No, you can't. Okay. So they're, yeah. so they are a necessity on that. Yeah. You can't go completely on your own, own office, find your own listings, make your own relationships. You can become a broker, but you have to have done real estate for three years. Um, oh, okay. You have to be employed for three years, and I actually just got my broker's license, but I'm going to continue to work for my broker. Okay, so if you get your broker's license, you could broker and re- do real estate at the same time, right? Yeah, you could, you could, you could be, your, you could work for yourself. But that being said, it's like I don't have any of the value of those relationships like that my broker has. Where I mean, I, I'm making up a number; I really don't know. But like, let's say that they might have. 500 landlords that they deal with. And some of those landlords have tons of properties. Some of them have one. Some of them have 500 units. But it's like, oh, look at all these places that I can rent because I work for this guy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, So the broker does provide you value in that respect. Does the broker seem like an unnecessary middleman, though? <sighs> yes and no. If you can do, like, if you're well-versed and you can do the job yourself, then yeah, it does seem like an unnecessary middleman. But one of the things about being a broker is you have to have been a salesperson for three years. So now granted the broker I work for has been doing this for, I don't know how many years, but it's a lot. It's a lot more than three, but it's like, you know, I still have questions. I've been doing this for over three years and I still don't know how to do certain aspects of it. And I'm like, I need to go to somebody to figure out 
you know, how to do this thing in general or how to do this thing specifically for this landlord. Like this landlord might want this paperwork done this way. You know what I mean? And he'll have that information. Whereas, you know, just a regular salesperson probably wouldn't have it. Is a broker, uh, is a broker to real estate the equivalent of a manager is to entertainers? Would you say? I know you don't have a, you don't right. have a manager or, or a booking agent, but no, I don't, I don't think you do. I, I don't think never that came it, up. So no, I don't. But it's like I don't think that that's really the. There's some parallels with it, but I don't think that's really a good analogy. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, so with real estate, why did you get into real estate? Let's even go on that because I was gonna get my real estate license to save on commissions for properties that I planned on investing in. I was like, I'm going to get a, you know, like a multifamily house. And I'm like, I might as well save on the commission. And I'm like, I'll have my real estate license. So I'll be able to do this again. And while I was getting my license or, or planning to get my license, I bumped into my friend, Greg, and I mentioned it in passing. And he's like, dude, you get your license or you're getting your license. I was like, yeah. And he goes, why don't you come work for me? I was like, eh, Greg, I'm just doing this to save on commissions. To tell you the truth, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm like, I really have trouble with day jobs, and I'm like, I'm just gonna focus on comedy. And he goes, What don't you like? I go, You know, I'm like, the, you know, the hours, and he, you know, I don't want to be locked in nine to five. He goes, Dude, you make your own hours. He goes, I have appointments for you to go on. I call you. He's like, If you want to go on the appointment I give you, go on it. If you don't, don't go. And I was like, Hmm. I don't really want to get dressed up anymore for work, Greg. I really want to be casual because my dress code is don't have a bunch of tattoos and wear a tank top. That's my <laughs> that's my dress code. He's like, can you handle that? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, what else? And I'm like, oh, that's really about it. And he goes, then come work for me. And I was like, <laughs> okay. So I went to work for him for like, you know, a couple of years or something like that. And then I switched to another broker. What were you doing before when you were thinking about getting your real estate license? Um... I was unemployed at that time, but before that, I had sold copiers for 10 years. That's a hard, hard gig. I look back on that, and I'm like, how the fuck did I last in that industry for 10 years? Like, How difficult is it to sell copiers? It's hard. Because um, you're selling something that somebody doesn't need consistently. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like... Well, see, I'm thinking the only people you're trying to sell copiers to are businesses. They are. Yeah. It's businesses. But it's like, okay, we just got this copier. Uh, the lease is up in five years and it's like, all right, put some notes together and start contacting this guy in four years. You know what I mean? So you got to stumble upon people that are looking at that moment. That's okay. the hard part. And then the other thing is, um, yeah, nobody's going to go, Hey, you know, our copy has been good to us, but, uh, that new model, it's got some good DPIs. Let's switch it up. Yeah. They don't do that. It's not even like having a car where it's like, Oh man, that car is really sexy. I, yeah. And the current car I have is awesome, but that one's even better. I'm going to get the better one. It's like, no, it's a copier. You know, like they, they don't switch them out unless there's something super bells and whistles that came on. That's going to make their life greater. Um, oh yeah. My work. I wish we could get, um, Apple, uh, airprint so I could just print from my phone from wirelessly phone. and, they just don't care. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So, like, I'll put it to you this way. That might be the type of bellow whistle to make, like, I don't know, a place that does a ton of printing, like, you know, I don't know, like a law firm or something. They might be like, you know what, that'll really help our employees. We'll upgrade this thing early. But other than that, it's like, you know, until the thing's broken, like, and they're not going to get it fixed, they don't go out and buy them. So it's like, and I had to sell a lot of them. Like, I look, my quota was about $45,000 a month. And it was like, the turnover 
I don't know how many people came and went in my company while I was there, but it was a lot. Like it was in the hundreds. Um, and I, I look and I know the industry and it's like, people are consistently at a company for two years and out, two years and out or less than two years. It might be six months. And I'm like, I stayed at the same company for 10 years selling copiers, a $45,000 quota, which means that I did for this models I was selling, I was going to have to sell like eight or nine a month. And I'm like, how the fuck did I do that? But I did it. I'm like, I, I don't know. I didn't like doing it. I, the job really drove me crazy. And I was just like, I, I got to get out. Did uh, you ever like that one was like, Hey, we're a new business. We're starting a big office building. And you said you had to do eight or nine a month. And they're like, hey, you know what? We got a six. We got six floors. Let's put six of them in there. And you're like, yes. Yeah. Did that ever happen? Yeah. I had done a deal with a customer and the customer had bought in this product. And I was like, great. They bought this product. It's awesome. Uh, it worked great. There was in there for a couple of years. The customer called me back and was like, um, hey, uh, give me three more of the kind that I bought before, please. He's like, and just, you know, send the paperwork over. I'll do it. And I was like, okay. And I was super pumped. I'm like, here's a phone call for three of these things. This is great. And then before I could like do anything else, I went to the, this company meeting and they were, they were like, we've got a deal for you guys. Like, oh my God, like we got such a great deal on this piece of equipment. We bought it in bulk and they're like, we're going to up your commission rate by double. They're like, we want to push these. They're like, we bought, we committed to buy a hundred of these machines. And they're like, you know, normally we buy like 10. They're like, we're going to double the commission rate. Here you go. And it's on the one that I just some guy just called me for. So I'm like, holy crap, like, this is amazing. This is awesome. So I'm doing the paperwork for this guy. And the deal takes about maybe a week to put together and get him to sign it. And I go to have him sign it. And he's like, oh, by the way, my friend's opening up an office. And uh, he wants three of these as well. Uh... And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh my. I'm like, and now they're doubling my commission rate. And I'm selling six of these things out of nowhere. I'm like, oh my God, this is... When it was all said and done, I ended up having like a twenty thousand dollar commission, and I was like, and they were they were really big, you know, big. They weren't. I wasn't selling a little rinky dink copier. I mean, I was selling a big thing, and I'm like, you know, it was a high priced machine, and I'm like, I was like, I was just walking around like, I don't believe this just happened. Like, (laughs) I just got. Imagine somebody coming up to you and be like, oh, here's twenty thousand dollars. Like it was like, oh my god, that was yeah. So they basically sweet. handed you the sale, right? Oh, that's so great. And then there's other times that you just bust your ass and you're going at it over and over and over again, and it's like, congratulations, here's your hundred dollar commission on those nine hours of work that you put in over the course of seven months with this person, and it's like, it's not worth your time. Did you start doing comedy when you were selling copiers? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's kind of. What made me get out of selling copiers was uh, I was like, I really want to do comedy. And it was just like, I didn't like selling copiers. Like I did it because I made a nice income off of it. And I'm grateful for that. But towards the end, it was just like, I was so mentally checked out on the job and not even on purpose. It wasn't like I was like, well, I'm not going to work today. But it was like, that's the results I was getting because I was so not into doing it. You know what I mean? And uh, I was like seeing it like, oh, you can possibly make a living in comedy. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah. so then when I got fired from this company, I didn't even view it as a negative thing. I was like, I am so mentally checked out on this job. It wasn't even on purpose, but it was just like, you, you can't get results or good results if you're just not into doing something in the least. You know what I mean? And by the end of it, it was like, I am so not into this, you know? So, How long were you doing comedy when you got fired? 
I don't know, two years. Okay, so you were just, just starting out in comedy. Let me see. Yeah, two years. Maybe a little bit more. About two yeah. years. Yeah. How long have you been doing comedy now? Seven. Seven? Okay. Yeah. So it was about five years ago yeah. or so that you got that you lost the job? Yeah. I Actually, it's a little over five. I got, like, I think it was December of okay. 2010. Jeez. Um, so you were selling copiers. You started doing comedy. You got fired from the job. You were doing comedy. Did you start putting more effort into comedy at that moment? Yeah, I moved to L.A. Like, oh, one, did you? Once I got fired, I was just like... I had no idea you were in L.A. Yeah, for like ever. almost a year. Um, I moved back. I was a little bit homesick at the time. But uh, I look on it now and I'm like, I kind of want to go back and tell you the truth. This is all very loose, but I'm like, I think I have a plan of moving back there in the fall. And, uh, But I'm like, yeah, I think that's kind of the plan. I'm like... Well, you can still continue the Ubering when you go there. Yeah, but clearly. I... Clearly. Yeah, oh yeah, but that's not what I'm worried about. I'm just kind of like, yeah, she, you know... She, I, I think that it's the next move, although I, I say this, it's like, I, I don't know how you feel, but I'm like, there might be a big part of you that wouldn't have got into comedy if you knew what a pain in the ass it was. Yeah. Th- that's what held me up, is I knew how much a pain... I should have started comedy in my early 20s. I wish I started in my early 20s. I wish it. it I wish it started in my teens. Yeah. And I was so afraid of it that I didn't do... I wanted to be a comedian ever since I was a little kid, and I'm like, I basically sat fearful of it for 20 years before I did it. See, it wasn't fear. It was the, I know how much work it takes to put into this and it's not at this moment what I want to do. It's just something I would like to do. No, see, I I had no idea how much work it would take. I thought it'd be like, oh, you do it for four or five years and you become famous and that's it. <laughs> and you collect your millions of dollars. And yeah, you're... I imagine some people think that way, but I didn't. I never do because I was always a comedy fan growing up and always in entertainment. And my route for entertainment because I don't consider myself a comedian as much as an entertainer. My route for entertainment was going to be radio. Mm. And then things happen and I switch. And now I'm glad I'm doing comedy. And I'm still doing radio. Well, but comedy. To I com- wish I had started 10 years earlier, though. I, I, I completely do. And I, I mean, it just... Because it, it is a little bit frustrating as you're getting older. And it's like, oh, geez, money's tight. It's fine if money's tight in your uh, 20s. 20s. In your early 20s. It's like, who gives a shit? You know, you get a little bit older and it's like... Oh, geez, you know, it would be nice to be able to pay my rent without, you know, having to forsake food for two days, you know what I mean? Or something along that nature. Well, even the simple thing of wanting to pay your rent without having to wear a name tag. Yeah. When you're in your 30s. Right. Becomes a humongous thing. So uh, I do wish I started earlier, but whatever, it is what it is. And, you know, nothing holding me back from being successful now. But um, where I was originally driving with this was in comparison to L.A. And I'm like, now I know what a pain in the ass it is to move to LA to, to do comedy because it's like, you know, here I have tons of book shows that I can go on and I can make money on them. And it's like, no, now I know cause I've done it before. It's like, Oh, you kind of got to go out there and establish yourself from the oh. ground floor again. And it's like, I have the benefit of at least having some connections out there now. And I'd like to think I have a lot stronger act now than I did five years ago. You know what I mean? So I have those two things working for me, but it's like, if I go to LA, I, the first time I went, I had no idea that it was that much more work to do. You know what I mean? I'm like, now I know. <laughs> uh, but I always think about that in terms of comedy. We're like, geez, would you get into it if you knew how much work it was going to be? I, yeah, I, I would agree. Most people don't know how much effort they have to put in. And also, when you're starting out, sometimes you don't realize the all the things you're doing. Like, here, starting out here in comedy. Yeah, you're, you now know enough people. You now you can get booked. You can get paying gigs. 
and you have to start all over again from the bottom in L.A. Mm-hmm. If you had started in L.A., you wouldn't have been thinking about those things. You would have built those relationships. Right. So that is a little bit different than when you're already established. You know what you've had to do. You know what you've gone through. Then to move to another city and have to start all of that over again. Right. That is a much more work and a pain in the ass when you're because you're now realizing the work you have to put in. Right. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's like sometimes ignorance is bliss. Sometimes <laughs> it is. You know what I mean? Those ignorance isn't bliss. I'm like, eh, sometimes it is. Is there a reason why you went to L.A. instead of New York? I hate cold weather. Okay. <laughs> and actually, to tell you the truth, I'm also not that big on New York. I'm like, I'm not trying to hate on it, but I'm like, people are always like, New York's the greatest place in the world, and I'm like, I don't know, man. It's crowded. It's expensive. It's dirty. City never sleeps. I'm like, your city should take a nap every now and then. It's like, <laughs> it's weird when you like walk around at the city at three o'clock in the morning and there's like trash trucks and there's still like people walking around. Uh, I'm not a humongous fan of New York. I like New York. I like to visit. I go to see my friend Craig once a year, yeah. or twice a year or something. And that's enough for me. I'm like, I do like that New York's closer to Boston. Like, you know, that's nice. Like, That's I, why I ask it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, I just, I hate the cold. And I'm like... And also you have to deal with New York sports teams. <laughs> yeah, the sports team. Right. Dealing with sports team in general is just a non-issue in my life. Just they're there. They're there. I don't care. Yeah, even in Baltimore, I would I followed the Ravens and the O's a lot more in Baltimore because I couldn't help it. Mm-hmm. And all my friends are. But now that I moved away, I know nothing that's going on. Right. I even worked for a sports talk station for a few years. Really? Yeah. I was The only th- time I knew anything about sports was when I worked for the station. And it's because I was the second... In charge of running the O's games. Okay. So when the uh, we were a flagship station in D.C., uh, so there was a Baltimore station. They fed it to us, and there was another guy. And, and you was, you talking on the radio saying things like he's doing the thing with the wood. Oh no, I'm not even talking. Uh, All I'm doing is running the game. All right. They send us the beat. I turn the game on, turn the game off, go to commercial, turn the game back on. That's okay. all I did. But I also had to cut highlights uh, for the people for the uh, sports station uh, guys. So. I knew the most about the O's then. And then on Sundays, I'd run a couple NFL games um, and occasionally like a college basketball game because we were flagship for a couple college games. Um, And that's the only time I knew anything about the O's. And I love the O's. And I love going to a baseball game. And if I'm somewhere and it's on, I can watch and pay attention. I can cheer along. But for the most part, if I went the whole rest of my life never watching another sporting event, I would not miss it. I was saying this talking about baseball. Um I love baseball growing up. Like, oh my God, did I love it. Baseball and basketball were my two big things that I did. And I love the Red Sox. Like, I mean, I'm not going to, I could go on for hours about like my experience as a kid, as a youth. But uh, since they've won three championships in a very short amount of time, and I think the way our attention spans have become trained with like cell phones and just do everything is so quick and you know instant gratification and baseball is a slow moving game i was talking with like some friends recently and i'm like i'm just not into the red sox on the level that i used to be it's not like i hate them or anything like that i mean they're still my favorite baseball team and it's not even close i mean but it's like i mean i used to live and die with this team and like oh my god what are they doing and like you know a game in the middle of july and i'd be like oh god all right oh well geez if they win this game then they can do this and they're this far out of the playoffs and oh my god why did they tell the run to steal second there was you know one out they should have you know i'm like and i like the amount of interest that i had would just be off the charts I'm a little bit satisfied with all these championships i'm not as hungry for them like as a fan and i'm like and the way like i said i think that we're in an instant gratification society and it's like yeah 
baseball's kind of slow moving. I'm a little bit concerned for baseball, like going forward. I'm like, it is a slow game. And I'm like, people don't like slow stuff anymore. Yeah. And I, I think that's one reason why football is taken out. No, all right. My opinion on sports is why, why people love football more than baseball is because not so much of, uh, of pace as much as it is. Cause to me, when I watch football, it's 30 seconds, it's three minutes of planning for a 10 second play that fails. And then they take a break. Yeah. You know, so, so the pace is the same, but I think it's easier to, you can cheer more and you know exactly when to cheer. That's why people don't like soccer. Cause soccer is 90 minutes of fast paced in a thing. But the only time you're cheering it's is when there's a goal, goal going on. Cause you don't know, you don't notice the minute details uh, yeah. they do. The, the plays and the trick and and uh, how much skill is involved. You don't see that unless you're a really deep soccer fan. So football, easy to know when to cheer, and you can cheer often. Baseball, again, you only cheer when somebody hits uh, hits the ball, and now in this day and age, hits do become rarer. So I think that's why people love football more than anything else, is they just know instantly when to cheer. Yeah, and yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's and it is an action sport. Like when the game is actually being played, it's an exciting play. But whereas like a routine ground ball to the first baseman isn't exactly making your nipples hard. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like when the quarterback's dropping back and someone's breathing down his neck and he throws the ball through a little window and the guy catches it, awesome. If the defender blocks it. You know, it could still be awesome. You know what I mean? It's like, so there is more, there's more excitement usually in the play. And like you said, oh, they got the first down. Let's cheer. Oh, they got the touchdown. Let's cheer. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, now, is there a insight? Because personally, I'm if I move out of here, I, I, my intention is go to LA mm-hmm. over New York. Even though I know New York is a capital, it's basically the stand-up capital. But I want to do more things in entertainment. LA is the place to go for that. The only thing that that changes for me is I love an urban environment. I love being in a city. Mm-hmm. I love high buildings. I love being able to walk to things and everything being within a, in a distance. I like that. Are you an urban environment guy, or do you think because Boston's not very urban to me? Oh, see, I think Boston is very urban. Uh, I don't think it. It does not feel urban to me at all, especially even here in Brighton. I was gonna say even where you live, I still consider this very urban, even though it's more residential. But uh, yeah, I totally consider Boston to be urban. Uh, like it's not New York. I mean, but then again, New York's such a weird animal. You know what I mean? Like that's New York isn't, it's just crazy. Like when you look down on New York, like from the sky and you just see how many buildings are there, it's crazy. So that's its own thing. I mean, take New York out of the equation. I consider Boston to be pretty urban. See, I, again, I grew up in Baltimore, so I know Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Baltimore city is so a typical New York and Baltimore are typical urban environments to me. When I'm here in Boston, this feel, all of it almost feels like the suburbs to me. Even when I'm it's down just, by the commons. not black enough. Uh, well, you guys do hide, do a great job here in Boston of hiding your black people, but. <laughs> We're excellent at that. Um, yeah, LA's more suburban for sure than, you know, like New York. Yeah, but I mean, maybe, maybe even Boston because New- California, I mean, uh, LA is so spread out. It is crazy. Yeah. Like they're always like, LA is so huge. I'm like, well, what they consider LA is huge. It would be like if we considered uh, Boston f- 
from Brockton to like Gloucester. If we consider that Boston, you'd be like, Boston is huge. Yeah. Well, there's like 25 different, 30 different cities that make up LA that, you know, they just call LA. You know, like Santa Monica is LA. Uh, North Hollywood is LA, you know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah. but anyways, I do think it is more suburban. And uh, to answer your question, I find myself as I'm getting older that I like a more suburban feel than than city. Like, uh, not like I'm anti-city, but I'm like, I, I went on a few sales calls for this uh, job I had recently and they would be like an hour outside of Boston. And even just an hour outside of Boston, it's so drastically different. I'm like, oh my God, it's a lot nicer out here. It's just a lot quieter. There's a lot more space between yards. And I was just like, it's just nice. I'm like, I don't know. I'm getting into that a little bit more as I get older. I guess I could see where somebody would get in that in their older age. And I'm pretty sure maybe in a few more years that, you know, we'll, I'll start feeling that way. But I grew up in Baltimore County, but the part of the county I was in was very urban compared to other parts of the county. So when I would go out, you know, I'm in a suburb, but it still felt very city-like to me. And then I lived in the city for a number of years before moving here. So I just love that closeness of everything. Um, and we're we're not that far apart in age. So maybe when I get a little bit older, I'll start wanting that that settled down, quiet environment. For right now, even at 34, I still love noise. I love the the hustle. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like offended by it, but I'm like I, I get it a little bit more now. You know what I mean? I'm like I'm like oh, I could see myself living in the, the suburbs. Um, just talking about getting when you're older. I just think this is funny. My buddy Jeff was telling me about these twins that he's friends with, and one brother is eight minutes older than the other brother. And whenever they get into an argument, he goes, "Trust me." You'll understand when you're, when you're older. older. <laughs> and then the follow-up joke is eight minutes later, the other brother will be walking around and just go, you know what? <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yeah, you were right. And I'm like, that's great. And he goes, it's just that thing. You'll get it when you're older. And then he comes back eight minutes later. You, you were right. <laughs> so what brought you back from L.A.? Um, 747. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I came back cause I wanted to go to Newport for the summer. I get a, I would get a house every summer with this group of guys in Newport. And I was talking, actually I hung out with them like last night and it's rare that I get to hang out with these guys cause they're all kids and family now. But I look back on it. I'm like, it was, I hope that I have stuff that's better, but I'm like, I look back and I'm like, it was the funnest time of my life. Like, I can't tell you what an awesome collection of dudes we had in this in these summer houses that we would get and Newport's just like such a summer fun community and it's like it costs so much money to get a house in Newport but if you have 12 guys that all go in on this house all of a sudden the cost becomes quite reasonable so for basically like I don't know 1200 bucks you'd have a summer home in Newport and but you're also living with 11 other people yeah but not everybody comes down every weekend and the house was huge okay I mean like it was Jeez, I don't even know how many bedrooms. I think there was five bedrooms and two living rooms where people could sleep. So, I mean, like, it wasn't like everyone was down there every weekend. And, you know, the place was so big, it wasn't that bad. It really wasn't too much of an issue. But the collection of guys was just so great. And I I would tell them, I'm like, man, I, I like, it was the funnest time of my life. That group of guys, I could, we would just laugh and the summers were about laughing and hooking up with women and it was just awesome. Like it was just, it was amazing how much fun you'd have. And when I was in LA, I'm like, well, I'll come back for the summer and I'll do Newport. And I did. I had a great time. 
And then uh, when the summer ended, I was just kind of like, geez, I don't know. I'm kind of having fun here. And I'm like, mm, I don't feel like going back. And I just stayed. Um, and I'm okay with the decision. But at the same time, I thought about recently. I was like, geez, if you stayed out there, I'm like, you would have had, if and you just stayed now, I'm like, you would have been out there for five years. I'm like, where would your career be now? And maybe it would be worse. I mean, I don't know it would be better, but maybe I would have fallen into something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't look at that with regrets, but I'm like, I do think about going back. I'm like, I don't know, probably done just about all I'm going to do in Boston. There's really not much. I'm not saying I couldn't get better at comedy. I can definitely get better at that. But I'm like, well, what more am I going to do while I'm here? I'm like, I've done just about everything you can do in Boston for yeah. comedy, you know? Well, all right. So let me ask you this about with working and doing comedy. Ubering, we've you've already kind of mentioned that is amazingly convenient for you to do mm-hmm. comedy because if you're going from gig to gig, you have an hour time. Hey, drive people around. Make, make 30 bucks. bucks. Right. Boom. Did you find working when you were doing sales with copiers and now with real estate as well? When you're because you make your own hours on real estate, but there's still a, a, an office hours you kind of keep. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Does the working comedy, especially early in the years when you were staying you know, at open mics for late and whatnot. Uh, Does that affect? No, not really. Cause I, the, the only, the only time that it ever affected was I went to this networking group on Thursday mornings and I had to be in Wakefield at seven in the morning, which means I had to be up at six to get there for seven. And I would do the Wednesday show at um, the Burren and I could possibly be home at 1230 and I'm like, if I got home at 1230 and had to get up at six, I was a, oh God, it was just it was such a brutal day. Like it would just be like, I can't fucking believe I got to go into war. And it was just brutal. Um, that's the only time that it affected. Cause I'm like, other than that, I'd be home by 11 and you know, I could go to my first appointment or cold call or whatever at nine, which means I could get up at like eight. I mean, it was, it wasn't really hurting me that those are manageable hours. They yeah. really are. But also, Boston closes down so early here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm used to, you know, staying at a bar till two o'clock and then maybe going home when it closes at two. Right. Um, but again, I knew every bar, every bartender basically in Baltimore, so I could, you know, yes. close down. Then it's just sit there. Um, right. Not a lot, but enough. Well, no, it happened a lot. Um, but here, even though still then things close down, there's still some mics that end up going long and late and hanging out with other comedians because the the part of comedy, besides being funny, it's, is the camaraderie. Yeah. Knowing each other and making friends and hanging out. And there is value in that, but I'm like, I, I don't know. And I do, I definitely do that, but it's like if I go to an open mic and there's... 40 something people i'm like i don't have the wherewithal to sit through it anymore i just i just don't and you know it's i I don't know if i'm gonna do a good job painting this picture but people are always like oh my god like can you believe what this one percent does to the rest of the world and i'm one of those people that says that like oh they're really screwing us or whatever and like i would never do that if i was in that powerful situation well then i also look at this like when I, you know, have established relationships with people and it's like, I can walk into a, you know, a room and be like, Hey, can, you know, can I get on? And, you know, yeah, sure. We'll put you on. And, you know, there are people that will put me on a list and, you know, there'll be 40 people on the list and they'll put me right up. And it's like, thank you so much. I truly appreciate that. At the same time, I just screwed 40 other people, you know, X amount of minutes, you know what I mean? (laughs) And I'm like, Oh no, I'm doing that now. You know what I mean? And it's like, I look at the, like, 
you know, I'm given that power and I don't stick around for those other 40 people. I mean, sometimes I stick around, you know, and I might watch four or five of them or something like that, but I'm not staying for the, till the end of the show. And it's like, am I being a jerk? I don't know. I have a certain amount of clout that allows me to get on the show and get out of there if I want to. And I'm like, I usually just go and do another spot. And it's like, I don't know. I can see how that can be viewed as being a jerk, but I'm like, I also got to take my life into consideration here. You know what I mean? And I don't want to stay till midnight to, you know, support the open mic for three hours after I've gone. I just don't want to do it. And it's like, once you're given that power and you have the ability to do it, it's like, that's why I look at the one percenter that, you know, that's screwing the rest of the population. And I'm like, yeah, I can say I wouldn't do it, but until I'm there, I don't know. Maybe I would be like, I need another seven yachts and you can't have any food. I'm like, maybe that's, you know. Well, I don't have, I know there's places where I can go like, hey, can I can I go on earlier, please? And I can ask him to say, yeah, and I don't ask often. Um, and John Paul and uh, Rob Green, who run Middle East, mm-hmm. have been very gracious with me because they know I get up at 4 a.m. every day to go to work. Yeah. Um, that, that Middle East is another one I remember actually being like, oh, my God, I got to stay here so late to go on. And that would actually fuck me up the next day for work. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, and my my rule is 11 was with Middle East in most places is four th- at 11:30 I'm gone no matter what if I go on great if I don't get on tough mm-hmm. shit that's fine that's the way the cookie crumbles um, it's because of travel and getting up and I I don't want to say they're past 11:30 so I leave at 11:30 every time some other mics depending on what it is and what my bus schedule is and distance that that time varies uh, like Kings I would. For whatever reason, I always stayed at King's until the end if I wasn't on on yet. Hmm. Um, I don't know what it was about King's that made me like, I'm going to sit here until I go on stage. I don't know why I'm not leaving early. Um, I haven't done that place. Do they still do? No, I, actually, I have done it. I'm sorry. I haven't done it in a while is what I meant to say. They don't do it anymore? No, yeah. they uh-huh. they um, Less than a year ago, okay. a couple months ago, maybe six months ago, they canceled it. They're doing a music-only open mic with featured music acts. Uh, they just didn't want to do the comedy part anyway, which sucks because I love the space. I love the employees. And honestly, out of all the open mics in Boston, they have the best food. No. Uh, I think Tavern has the second best food. I like Tavern's, Better beer selection. I like Tavern's food a lot. My only thing is it is a little expensive. I noticed by the time I pay for my meal and tip, it's usually like 18 to $20. And I'm like, I'm more of like an 11 or $12 <laughs> meal kind of guy. And it's like I, you want to support the place that you do in comedy. Yeah. But I'm like, I also have you know, to support myself and I got bills and yeah. So, but yeah, that's one thing. Oh God, who was it? I think it was Mariel Cabral put a post up on Boston comedian page recently. Oh yeah. You see it. And it's like one, like, what do you tell open micers? And one of the things was support the place that's having the open mic. And that's, it's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I, I try to be as supportive I can. And sometimes obviously I don't have all, I, my mind, you're just like, Hey, you're an 11, 12 meal kind of person. If I go out for drinks and food, I always expect between to pay between twenty and twenty five. Mm-hmm. So that's my expectation. When I know I can't just throw twenty to twenty five dollars, I'll have at worst. If I just get a water, I still always tip for waters. Mm-hmm. Um, so at least that bartender's making money. It doesn't help the sales, whatever. But right. I think even if you at least do that, that's fine. That's better than doing nothing. Um, and then sometimes I'm there, I don't get a water, I don't get anything, and I'll throw two dollars at the bartender, or I won't at at all. Sometimes, and it, you know. We can't all, you know, financially support them as much as we all, I think, want to sometimes. But 
the amount of money we put into beers and food at open mics places is probably equivalent to the tuition at a college. I'd love to see what I've spent at places over the years. It adds up. It, de- it definitely does. Um, I think about all the shows I've done for free in my life. I'm like, imagine if I just got $25 for each of them. Just $25. I'm like, $25 for every show that I've done for free in the past. Like, just here's a pile of money. I'm like, oh my God, that would be amazing. You know what I mean? And there's people that in comedy could take that amount of money that I have and have made that in a single night many times over. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Good for them. <laughs> uh, I heard Chris Rock say once, and I thought this was great. He goes, um, both his parents, I believe, were educators. I think they were educators. No, lawyers. That's what it was. They were. Law- I think they were lawyers. Oh, whatever. I'm getting off the point. But he said that he goes, uh, when he finished high school, you know, his parents were like, so do you want to go to college? And he's like, nah, I don't think so. I want to go do comedy. And they were like, what? And he goes... You know, how are you going to, you know, you know, geez, why don't you become a teacher or something? And he goes, well, like, let me ask you this. He goes, if I was a teacher and he goes, I made $30,000 a year. And he goes, would you be okay with that? And he goes, his parents were like, well, yeah. And he goes, I think I can make at least $30,000 a year doing comedy and I'll be happy. And I was like, wow. You know, think about that. Like, you know, it's the equivalent of being a teacher, you know, in terms of money, or at least at the time that he was saying it, you know what I mean? And I was like, he's got a point. Like... You know, like his parents had a problem with him being a comedian until he showed, I can, if I made this, it would be just like teaching, right? And they were like, yeah, well, okay. I never heard that story, but that's a good one. That's a good point on that. Yeah, um, that guy's got some good insights. I don't know if you've ever watched him. Do your coworkers at your real estate know that you do comedy? Yeah. Is that, does, do you have to deal with the, hey, are you going to totally use this? Uh, Yeah. Oh, I, the worst. I don't yeah. think we can get away from that as comedians. It's very seldom that anyone ever brings an idea that I'm like, ooh, that is good. But it does happen occasionally. But like I had somebody recently email me an idea and I was just like, no. Like it wasn't even remotely. It wasn't even like. And it, and it wasn't even a premise. It was, you should do jokes about this guy. And I was like. Well, not like, well, you ever thought about this perspective of this person or what it must feel? And I was like, it, I remember Dan Bulger told me once, somebody said to him, goes, hey, you know what you should do? And he's like, well, he goes, you should do some uh, some George Bush jokes. And he's like, well, like about what? And he's like, yeah, I just, you know, do some George Bush. And he's like, that's fucking dumb. You know what yeah. I mean? But yeah, to answer your question, yes, people at my work do, hey, you know, how about this? How about this? And 90% of the time, I don't want to work with it. You know, every now and then, I'll be like, ooh, that's kind of an interesting idea. Maybe, you know, but I don't think I've ever, ah, that's a lot. Probably once or twice, I've had people that have brought an idea. I was like, ooh, that is good. Actually, I'm thinking of one of them now. My friend uh, Alexis, it was either her or her husband emailed me and uh, said, I thought of something like, you might want to hear it. And I'm like, if you're, you know, on the stage, I'm like, yeah, what is it? And there are, kid said something to the uh to her like mom how come at night you always do those half sneezes and she's like what yeah you always half sneeze at night and she's like what do you mean she goes i was walking by your bedroom and i just hear you go "Ah, ah, 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 ah," but you never chew so that's how mom sneezes at night and I was like, that is, see, like, look at your reaction right now. <laughs> oh, my 
God. And I've never heard sex referred to as a half sneeze. You always do that the half sneeze. That's such a great surprise. You do the your half sneezes at night. And she's like, I had no clue. And I was like, that is fucking amazing. Like, oh. that is a great joke or premise. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know how I'd work it in, but I'm like, it is. That, isn't that great? Like, yeah, I, let, let's, let's workshop that joke right now. Yeah. That goes as, because you do a lot of jokes about uh, relationships and dating. I do. Yeah, I have a fair chunk of it, yeah. You were dating a woman with a kid. You heard the kid say that. Oh, that right. Boom, done. Yeah. <laughs> Finished. <laughs> All right. And I, I can't wait for my five cent, five cent residual checks so every time you talk about Actually, I just thought about this too. I used to have a joke I would do and I haven't done it in years and I could probably swing this into it too. I go, yeah, I don't like uh, masturbating to MILFs on the internet because I'm like, it sounds good, but I'm like, I go, I get these feelings of guilt whenever I watch these videos like... Uh, like I go that I'm screwing up this imaginary marriage and I'm like I can't pleasure myself to that I go so now I don't focus on MILFs instead of focus on, I go uh, instead of focus on mothers I like to fuck I focus on smiles I'm like single mothers I'd like to enter so maybe that I'll throw in single mothers I'd like to enter but throw it in now to you know her son was wondering why she half sneezes and there we go. There you go. Cool. I can't wait. I can't wait to see the, uh, see you do it at the I'm, next. I'm sure uh, you'll see it in the next week or two. The next Revere show we're both yeah. on. <laughs> Actually, the Revere show that that dude booked was really good. That oh, Margaritas, yeah. yeah, the Somerville one. Yes. Then again, it was the first time they were doing it, so I'll give it a little leeway. But well, also that like, there's no way you would know that place is doing anything because they don't have a door. It's mostly block. It's, it, it's all brick. It, it's it's just, it's such a bland looking building that looks like nothing is in there. Yeah. And how do they stay? That, I was wondering how do they stay open. Like, I haven't figured that out either. It, like, it, I, I have no idea. Like, I know Wednesday night's not a hopping night. Like, it's going to be packed. But it was like, that was a Wednesday, I think, right? I don't know. Whatever. Thursday. There was, outside of the comedians, there was like three people there. I was yeah. just like, how do you stay open? Yeah, well, they do a lot of bands. And I assume the bands are what's drawing people in there. So if there's not a band there, there's no, who are bringing their friends or and promoting, then they're not bringing. And even then, I mean, how many fans could they you know the local band be bringing if that's what you're relying on to stay in yeah. business like i mean i don't know whatever these like the the green dragon open mic brings a lot of comedians and some people go specifically to watch comedy but if you were depending on that to keep the green dragon open you're fucked oh yeah <laughs> you know they, they view it as this is one thing if they if they're depending on bands to fill that place i don't know how they do it well cover bands will cover really? bands will bring that but at PAs, there's not really a lot of, from what I understand, it's not a lot of cover bands. It's mostly, you know, original music, punk rock, and rock, metal, and stuff like that. Um, that's what I see goes on there. I don't go to the place other than the few times to do comedy. Mm. Um, but yeah, not a lot of foot traffic. It's a sketchy looking building. It's wicked sketchy looking. You know, and it, it, there's no advertising. I didn't know what it was. I don't think it says PA's Lounge. I think it just says PA. Yeah, it's just PA's. That's it. Um, so yeah, it's not a. Uh, I hate talking bad about places, um, but it's not like they're gonna hear this anyway. Right. But oh. and it, and it, but they're doing it to their own business. They have to. The owner has to own the property because there's no way he's paying rent to somebody. Yeah. Um, he has a, a low overhead because that, he doesn't hire. He doesn't really have any employees. They clearly don't pay for a cleaning staff right. or heat. Yeah, or the heat. Yeah. So that's that room the, was fucking cold. It was very cold in there, and it is winter, and it is cold everywhere in Boston when it's in the winter time. So. Uh, but this has not been at least a, as bad of a winter so far that has, than last year. Yeah, there's all of us knocking uh, just to make sure. But all right, so talking about Uber though, do you tell because uh, you were saying you have uh, these same conversations with people? Mm-hmm. 
do you tell the same things a to lot the of customers? Times, yeah. I was thinking about filming that and just filming short segments of it and being like, just watching the same conversation happen like five times and just not, you couldn't make it the whole conversation, but like. That you just, different people asking the same asking question, the same question over, over and over. And just being like, you know, this is what it is. You do know you tell I mean? them you're a comedian? Uh, sometimes, yes. Not all the time. Uh, it depends on my, like, I like talking about comedy. It's weird. I, I made this statement once. I think that you have officially become a comedian when you don't like telling people you're a comedian. <laughs> I'm like, I, I can't stand telling people that I'm a comedian for the most part. But I'm like, I do like to talk about comedy. So like it will open that door. You know what I mean? And then sometimes I'm also, if we're talking comedy and I don't mention that I'm a comedian, it's kind of insane the amount of insight that I have for somebody that doesn't do it. So I kind of feel obligated to bring it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, I think that's a big thing about being a comedian. Once you're a comedian, you don't, like going out of your way to tell people it, you know what I mean? I remember when I first started, I was like, well, <laughs> I am a comedian. And it's oh. like, you know, now I'm like, no, like I'll tell people as a function of what I do. Like, I mean, I don't want to lie to the people, you know what I mean? And it's like, I don't, granted, I, I'm totally an Uber driver. So I guess the part of me does identify as that, but I'm like, that's not what I, my personality identifies with, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I don't want to lie to people and I don't want to go out of my way to not talk about myself if it's part of the conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, are you getting to know somebody? Well, yes. But it's not like I want to open with that ever to be like, I'm a comedian, so what do you think about that? Yeah. It's like, ugh. Oh, I've hated saying telling people I do comedy since day one. Because you just get the same follow-up questions over and over. And, you know, some of them you don't want to answer. And then some of them it's like, you know, uh, they ask you, they get into questions that, uh, they have no idea about, or they just say something that I'm going to use the finger quotes is just stupid. They'll be like, "Oh, have you done? Uh, have you thought about doing the last comic standing?" It's like, "Oh, oh, do you think that I make the choice to not be on television?" I always say, "It's like, no, oh. I don't want to do that because I am an artist." Right? You know what I mean? It's like I always the the analogy I came up with is it's like if you went up to like a uh, like a, a college football player and you're like, "Hey, have you thought about playing for the national championship?" <laughs> oh, well, fuck. Yeah, it's, that's a great idea. Like, why? Wait, why didn't we think about winning games right. and going to championships? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I always remember my basketball coach in college once said he was talking about this team we were playing. He goes, "Well, last time we played them, we lost by four points and we missed eighteen free throws." He's like, "So all we got to do is just make our free throws and we'll win the game." And my friend Joe looks at me and goes, "And while we're at it, he's like, why don't we just win all of the games and win the national championship?" <laughs> I was like, "That's a good idea, Joe." Um, do you ever feel like a missed opportunity not uh, promoting yourself a little bit to your customers? Like when you mention you're a comedian, do, do, do you feel like you have to follow up with like, and I'm also playing at this place because it sounds schlocky. Yeah, I don't really care to mention it. No, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes like, you know, like I said, if it's in the if it's in the course of conversation, I'll do it. But I'm like, I'm not trying to jam it down people's throat. Like, you know, plus, I mean. I don't even know how many people have come to see me from driving Uber, but it's not that many. Yeah. I mean, it's really not. It, there is probably some people, but I'm like, it's not. I was thinking about uh, having a featured artist, uh, having a sign in the back of the um, chair of my driver's seat and say, today's featured artist is, and then feature comedian for the day. And if they ask about, what's this featured artist thing? Be like, well, would you like to listen to their comedy? And just boom, you hit play. You know, honestly, that is a huge thing that would help out in the community itself. 
I, the one thing I don't like about the idea is... You can't feature yourself? Oh, no, not that. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, again, uh, is I have listened to comedy in the car with people, and it is there is a little bit of awkwardness to it from the standpoint of I feel like I'm putting pressure on them, like, yeah. So do you like this? Do you like this? Does it float your boat? You know what I mean? <laughs> and then if and then if it doesn't, it's just, it's just it's just like, you know, like oh this guy sucks and the guy doesn't suck. You know what I mean? He's a hilarious dude. Whoever's yeah. on and it's like, but it's not their particular taste. Yeah, or it's like, which they, they can't. Nobody ever tells the difference between yeah. liking subjectively and something that's good or bad. Or yeah, that's a good point. And the other thing too is it's um you know is this person laughing only because I'm in the car with them or like the, like, I don't know. It gets into a thing where like the, I feel like the person thinks that I'm judging whether they laugh or not. And that affects whether they laugh, whether as opposed to if they organically just clicked on this clip on YouTube, which by the way, we all know watching a clip on YouTube is not the same thing as going to a show. No. And that's the one thing I don't like about comedy on YouTube is people like, Oh yeah, that was kind of funny. It's like, no, that was fucking hilarious. And if you were there live, you would have understood it. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but they're, they're just different mediums. I don't think... I, I hate when YouTube people call themselves comedians when they don't do stand-up on stage. Um, I will agree with you. You can call yourself a comedic actor, but yeah. not a comedian, personally. But it's also a different medium that has a different way of hitting people. So I don't fault YouTube people in general. I guess you could say they are comedians the way that, you know, like an improv person is a comedian, but that they just don't do stand up. You know what I mean? It's like, I, you know, it's, it's just a different type of comedy. So I don't know. I'm not offended by it, but I get your point. Yeah. It's not stand up, you know, and if they ever call themselves stand up comedians and they're only doing YouTube stuff. And when I say YouTube stuff, I'm not, I'm, I'm excluding stand up on YouTube, yeah. but you know, they're doing some kind of weird hidden camera thing. Well, that's not stand up. You're not a stand up comedian. Maybe you're a stand up comedian and you also did that. But if you, if that's just what you do, you're not a stand up comedian. Yeah. So. Um, all right. Well, and I, I know you want to get back to driving around and making money. So I appreciate you yeah. taking time out of your day to pop in and talk my, with me about it. My landlord in the electric company is happy that I'm going to get back to doing that too. So <laughs> now, all right. I, now I can't wait for you to tell somebody like, oh yeah, I'm a comedian. And then the subject of podcast coming, like, well, it was on a podcast. You want to hear it and then play this episode <laughs> we go. of the podcast. And it better be a trip to like Vermont. <laughs> so. All right. Thanks all right. for having me, man. No, thanks for coming in. And so there you have it. That's my podcast with Don Zell. I hope it was interesting and, and informative for you, uh, especially if you take rideshare uh, services. I don't. If I don't have to, which I don't have to ever at all. But um, real quick, I'll talk about this because it just I just got the email about it today. Uh, I will be doing the Baltimore, the uh, Charm City Comedy Festival in the weekend of May the 12th. So I think actually Saturday, May 14th, I will be back in Baltimore doing comedy uh, as part of the Charm City Comedy Festival. More information is coming in about that now, but I'm going to try to do as many shows as I can while I'm in the Baltimore, D.C., DMV uh, area. So if anyone's listening who is in that area, eh, check my website, Dead or Dennis. I'll have a bunch of dates posted where I'll be there for that. So I'm actually excited to get back down to uh, Baltimore uh, and hang out, just take a little bit of vacation from my life here in Boston and go do nothing but sell comedy and be annoyed by my family. So, <laughs> uh, 
I like how the uh, the 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 people running the the comedy festival when they send those things like oh by the way we have a special discount uh, for people in the festival for this particular hotel it's one hundred fifty dollars a night I'm like yeah, I'm not I'm not paying seven hundred dollars to stay in my own hometown seven hundred fifty dollars to stay in my hometown no uh, I'll stay with friends or family or find a cheaper hotel than one hundred fifty dollars a night which I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not going to do that either. No, I'll stay with family. And I'm going to be down there. So if there's any of my friends in the area, uh, make plans uh, with me ahead of time so we can figure out times to hang out or you can come see me, tell some jokey jokes, jokes and stuff. I'll probably definitely be at uh, Drink to Her Funny on Sunday, the 15th, because T-Brad's a good guy. And if you're in the Baltimore area or Timonium area, and if you want to go see comedy on Sunday, that's for free. Go to Drink to Her Funny at High Tops Backstage Grill in Timonium. That's a good show. I'll definitely be there probably that Sunday. Uh, if not telling jokes, just at least to hang out and say hi to the other Baltimore comedians that I know. I Actually, I can't wait to get back down to D.C. It's going to be good. No, I'm excited for this trip. Like, I just got to do comedy in Austin, Texas a couple weeks ago, and that was a great trip. Just two days in a whole new environment. Um, at least now I'm going back to an environment that I know. I get to see people that I haven't seen uh, in a while. Uh, get to drink some glorious Natty Boo. But, mmm, Natty Boo. One thing I'll definitely not be doing is uh, taking Ubers around. I'll probably just borrow a car from my mother and my sister. Because I have family, and that's what family's for. If you're in town uh, from somewhere else and your family has cars, you, or if some one of your family members is in town, you lend them your car. That's what family's for, right? Okay. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, if you wouldn't mind doing me a favor, this is your first time listening to podcasts, go ahead and subscribe to it. If you're listening to it on iTunes or on Stitcher or Google Play, or if you're just going to the website, that's fine as well. Um, but leave a comment if you're in one of those other aggregators uh, and give it however many stars you feel is appropriate. Uh, it helps to share this podcast with more people, the more ratings it gets the more they're going to share it out with people and the more I can share my friends uh, and other interesting people with other people. So if you enjoy it, I'm sure other people will. So be sure to tell somebody. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye.